0: Hey, before we get started, I want to give a shout out to the newest patrons, Mando369, CheraMarco, Chase May, Lauren Lynn, Heidi V. Sorry I can't pronounce your last name, Heavy Metal Trucker, The Simonic, Brad Beaver, Whitney Lee, Brian, and shout out to Richard for upping his pledge. Appreciate you all for signing up for the Patreon. For those that aren't signed up, you're missing out on early access, ad-free episodes, exclusive series that are on there. I just started a new series with Mystic Mark from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy on all things falconelli So the completion of the falconelli Affair only available on Patreon, patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast. Make sure to check that out helps the show out and I truly appreciate everyone who signed up and this is a very long episode so hopefully you enjoy that and yeah catch you on the next one bye hello and welcome to the Juan on Juan podcast if you're enjoying the show consider signing up for the patreon there you get ad free content early access exclusive episodes and monthly supporter hangouts you can find it at patreon.com slash the Juan on Juan podcast If you don't like the subscription-based models, there are other ways of supporting the show that are linked in the description. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy this episode.
1: Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the Paranoid American Homunculus Owner's Manual, Not for the Faint of Heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Welcome to the One-on-One
0: Podcast with your host, Juan ayala in this episode we're going to be talking about something that i've always wondered about something that got me into podcasting and that's the enigmas of the ancient world we're going to be diving into the mysteries of the ancient world talking about these huge stone structures these megalithic structures that supposedly have been left behind by civilization x or was it the People that were already there, is history lying to us? Has history been occulted from us? Do they truly know what's going on? And what are these sites hiding? Are they hiding something that goes deeper than just the structural aspect of it? Is there a more metaphysical aspect to all this? And today joining us is gonna be my good friend Luke from the Enigmas of the Ancient.world channel. And there's no one better that I know who's as well-versed in this type of topic than Luke. He's actually been there numerous times, and him and I go back all the way to episode 11 of the 101 podcast. So make sure to check that out. There's numerous episodes. I list them on the show. But yeah, we go way back. To the first episode I ever put out with him and I on YouTube it was October of 2020. We recorded that before that make sure to check that out because we're going to be diving deep and luke's going to be talking to us about some of his experiences at these sites and i've told various stories of his that i've heard him tell me over the years about his visits to these ancient megalithic structures and sites so as always hope you enjoy this episode and see you on the next one
2: energy they're focal energy centers and they're i think they're places of of like i don't want to say lost the word i don't want to say ascension but it's like they're places where you you tune in and you elevate yourself a bit and suddenly things that weren't quite possible are clearer and, and more possible
0: back to another episode of the one-on-one podcast. I'm your host is always, Juan. Make sure to follow the show on social media at the one-on-one podcast. Pretty much all platforms. Make sure to sub to the RSS feed. Check out the website, tjojp.com. Make sure to get your homunculus owner's manual. And make sure to get that. I got to send you one, Luke. Yeah, I, I need one. <laughs> and, yeah, to get your homunculus under control. Yeah the occultist monday I need all the help i can get yeah the occultist monday the comic book all that good stuff tjojp.com everything is on there and today we're joined by a by an og of the show by a good friend of the show we go back dude the first episode we did that i put up on youtube at least was october yeah. 15 2020 yeah so three. almost 3 years Yeah, but we recorded that before I had uploaded it to YouTube, so yeah, you got episode 11, 16, 20, 24, 27, 31, 36, and 39, and then we also put out a four-hour banger on the Patreon not too long ago that you were on, and you were talking to us about Egypt and all that good stuff. How you been, dude, and can you let the people know where they can find you?
2: Uh, yeah, you, you you can find me right here. I uh, I'm actually I've been r- super inactive. I have a website, Enigmas of the Ancient World, and I, I haven't updated it in a long time because uh because <laughs> it's it's not interesting to me. I hate uh, I hate doing website stuff, but uh, I I've sort of maintained some Instagram stuff. I quit out of Facebook. I can't I can't take it. I I hate it all. I just uh I've been working really mainly not on youtube videos which i was doing to um generate interest in the the documentary i'm trying to make so that's really what i've been focusing on doing and there will be some more uh youtube videos as as usual i've i've made a bunch i just sort of hang on doing the commentary on them cuz i just you know it's not that much fun for me i'm just trying to share this stuff with people and uh, it just takes me a while to get around to it but uh anyway yeah so I'm on Instagram as Enigmas of the Ancient World. That's actually got like the latest stuff because when I travel, I just put stuff up on, on Instagram for people to see. Um, and, yeah, I just uh, – I'm just so not motivated by social media. I hate it. I'm sorry. Like,
0: uh, <laughs> No, you're good, dude. I, I feel you. Sometimes we get stuck in a run. Sometimes we all need breaks, right? But you do, you do great work, and you've said a lot of things that have shaped my – worldview when it comes to this ancient world stuff right and one of the things Mm -hmm. that you've always said i hit you up recently about was the these mummies that came out recently and one of the things that you said one time on an episode we were on once upon a time was that if there ever was to be the actual ancient aliens it -hmm. would be in south america not in egypt Right, because there's more evidence of these sort of things in South America and the stories that you've also heard about, these sleeping ascended Mm. master beings that are in these pyramids. Mm. And that has always stuck with me, and I've always told people that. And then this comes out with the whole Mexican mummies. There's
2: a lot more of an ongoing connection in South America uh, with what the indigenous people refer to as the Sky family. Or the Sky Brothers, and of course, you know by that they mean, you know, beings that are traveling here, you know, from elsewhere and have been for a long time. And and you see this stuff recorded throughout South America. I can't, you know, there's and there's a really strong, prevalent, you know, tradition of the the elongated skulls in South America, even more so than Egypt. You see it in the art a lot but unless you're you're down in Toshka and a lot of that stuff kind of got covered up they had some elongated skulls down there in Egypt but like most of the stuff we find from you know dynastic times in Egypt is not elongated at all but in South America you see them and and the you know they're also disappearing like ones that I have seen personally I've gone back and they've been removed and you know I always kind of question you know that sort of that sort of stuff because uh, you know there used to be one next to You know, Tiwanaku and Pumapunku, those sites are very close together, and there was a little restaurant um, just nearby there. And in in the garden of the restaurant, there was a shed that had a bunch of elongated skulls in it. And between, you know, this time and, and the last time I went there, somebody removed two of the skulls, at least two of the skulls. So, you know, that, there's that sort of stuff going on and people argue about whether it's, you know, cranial deformations or uh, something else. But a lot of them, some of the stuff that I ran into on my last trip uh, to Peru was entirely incidental. But I do have another story, actually, I can tell you about uh, something interesting up at Tiwanaki that I heard when I was there. But but these mummies, to get back to this, what's going around now, what's come out, these, these came out before um, – I, I don't think they're real. I don't know. I haven't seen them. I think it would be great if they were evaluated professionally and, and openly, and we could see what they really are. There's some biological issues like I don't know of any other creature you know that has arms that, that has a single lower arm bone. Like, we all have, like, the radius and the ulna, the two bones. And actually, when we twist our arms, like, the bones actually kind of wrap around each other. And, like, I just – they have no thumbs. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff. They'd have to be, like, telekinetic or something. And, and I just – these things just kind of look like paper mache to me, and it's really hard. You know, I want to believe I'm waiting. You know, these these ones don't seem like it. But some of the other stuff, some of the paracus uh stuff for example those are those are real uh those are very real and um to me um you know i think they're another i don't think they're actually extraterrestrials i think they're another form of of humanoid not these ones you're showing now but the the paracas uh ones i think are another form of of human just not sapiens sapiens and i you know i think as as we you know, continue with our archaeology and our anthropology and paleontology. And we discover more and more stuff. Yeah. Like some of this stuff and some of the, there's a couple of those that we're going to, we're going to see today. And these, these skulls, it's interesting. Some of the ones that we'll, we'll see that I filmed, they're small. Like these, these people were small. Um, and I just think it's, uh, there's so many of them and like the way that the skulls are joined together, uh, does not seem, um, uh, like our skulls are joined together and uh i think they're probably another another type of humanoid you know that existed we we discover more humanoid species all the time there's a couple of different small humanoids that were quite smart like for florenciensis and there was another one recently and of course um you know there are other races too we forget you know that that a lot of the stuff in our prehistory is underwater and is under silt. You know, all the oceans are 300 feet at least higher than they were 10, 12, 15,000 years ago. So a lot of, you know, civilizations almost always live by the water. And so when that water rises, everything is covered in silt and muck and everything else. And, you know, so we know like in the Mediterranean, for example, we know there's 250 cities at least that are under the water there. And our our marine biology, or sorry, our marine archaeology is uh, is still you know in an early stage. The technology is expensive and difficult. Uh, it's really hard to you know move that silt out of the way and all that stuff. And they they tend to focus on ships because ships are a big payday. If you can you know you, you see how everything's laid out, maybe there's some gold in there, or maybe there's you know an Antikythera device or something in that the cargo hold is a story you know, you start uncovering cities. It's huge. Where does the expense end? Like, what do you really... I I don't know. So, like, I I feel like we're going to learn more as our technology gets better, as we can... At, at some point, all of that stuff we're going to be able to scan. We're going to be able to see it all really clearly You know, when the funding is there and when the, the technology is...
0: There, I is saw this... Point? I saw this article. A treasure hunter stuck in jail for refusing to disclose location of gold coins faces judge and got for uh from shipwreck sells for 2.16 million so this dude went to jail for not telling the government where the he's still in jail after six years wow wow and i've had once upon a time i had brian forrester on Mm. and this concept of these elongated skulls right because they're not giants by any means, right? Because you no. have the whole Nephilim and giant yeah. lore. Because these are redheaded too, right? There's some hair on them and they're also redheaded. Some of them do seem to be like redheaded.
2: I've certainly come across Egyptian mummies that still had their hair and it was red. I don't know if it was henna or, or whether it was a natural red, but it's they're mm. still
0: red. There are
2: here too. I mean, some of these are are in the Larco Museum in Lima. And uh, some of them are in other, other museums. The Larco is actually a private museum, and it's one of my favorites in the world. It, it, um, they open their back rooms to anybody. It's the only museum I know that does that. And you can actually go into their back rooms and see all of the artifacts and skulls and, you know, pottery and, you know, figurines, like in just – on their back shelves you can actually walk through it all it's really interesting.
0: And do we only have their skulls do we have any skeletons at all like full? No we
2: we have skeletons like most of the practice skeletons they're you know they're sort of bundled up they've got their knees under their arms and they're they're in this sort of position and they're just most of them are you know they're like 4 feet tall and they have uh you know larger heads larger skulls and um So like this? Yeah yeah kind of like like that guy and they're just you know, like the, there's one in the video uh, that I sent you that we're going to look at in a bit. And
0: uh, yeah, let me know whenever, you want, when you, you want me to pull it up. You can put
2: it up whenever. I mean, you know, we're just, we can just talk about it. So, like the, the one I sent you, like, yeah, this one. So, this isn't the guy I'm talking about, but this is an elongated skull and he's got really interesting.
0: Like, and for those skin, listening, Luke has been to these places. He has actually been there. He's documented this. He's been there numerous times. So, this is coming from a person who's, Who's got experience doing this sort of stuff?
2: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not any kind of expert. I, you know, I, I don't. I don't know enough. But like, so this is another elongated skull here. These are all lying in coca leaves, which is like an offering. And this guy. So this is like who I'm talking about here. He's got really large eye sockets. That's like the first thing, obviously, that you notice. And he has an, an elongated skull, and uh, the way that his, you know, skull is formed around, like. You know this is weird, and if you look at his teeth, he has adult teeth. He has full-grown teeth, mm-hmm. and you can see the size of his body, and that's upper jaw as well as lower jaw. So they haven't just mismatched a jaw. And according to the documentation that's in this place, which is a really weird fucking place, um, you know, the DNA scan that they did on this this being was apparently he was the being was 38 when it died, so they could tell like how old it was so you know something is this just like a deformity like and like the more i see of these the less i think it's really possible that they're all deformities and the more likely i I think it is that we're looking at another another species of humanoid you know that lived on this planet and eventually eventually got wiped out or died out over time but I, i i'll tell you i was in here this is a really weird day. I was trying to get back from uh, Bolivia down to the Sacred Valley in Cusco, and I just took this random bus tour by myself. It's a long, it's a long drive from from Puno, and they stop at a couple different places. And one of the places they stopped was the Temple of Wiracocha, which I really wanted to go back to and get some better footage. So I just signed up for this this tour, and they stopped and at this cathedral that is really weird. And the cathedral is super weird because back in the colonial days when the Spanish were over there murdering and stealing, uh, they wanted to paint all their new churches with all of the Catholic imagery, but it was really hard to get the artists to, you know, come from Spain, famous artists to get on a boat, to go all that way out to, you know, where these savages lived and, you know, paint stuff on the wall. So what they did was they paid a couple of guys to come out, uh, a lot of money, to come out and teach the Peruvian locals how to paint the Catholic imagery. And so all of the, you know, these Peruvian tribes, they're all doing pretty intense psychedelic stuff. And so you can imagine these like Catholic stories of horror that are like kind of, you know, and now you have to learn how to paint this. And so you have this cathedral. They won't let you take any pictures. They won't let you take any video. This entire cathedral is just covered in the most insane, like, weird, psychedelic Catholic art. It's very bizarre.
0: Does it have a name? Can you find pictures online?
2: Uh, There may be some pictures of it online. I can try to figure out uh, what the name is
0: uh, So. When I was looking but anyway at... next
2: to this they so next to this thing she says after we're looking at this and she goes does anybody want to see the extraterrestrial and I'm like yeah okay whatever and this I'll, is I'll where show look? me this is this is in this is in Peru this is like getting down closer to to Cusco on the on the way back from, from Puno. and um yeah I uh, so I went in and it's this room there's one outside there's one skull outside that we haven't seen yet on that video and there's the ones that are in that room And I was the only one in there. And you see how all those skulls are laying on the coca leaves, which is like an offering. And so I'm in there. And one thing that you don't see on the film is down on the floor to the right, there is a a box with two like huge chunks of of obsidian. Uh, And there's like another skull or something between them. So I got down on my knees and I've got my hands like on these pieces of obsidian. And all of a sudden I hear like, the coca leaves like rustle behind me. And I'm like, there's somebody else in the room. It's a small room. I'm like, there's somebody else in the room. And I turn around, there's nobody. And it's like silent. <laughs> and I'm not, so I go, I'm like, I'm just imagining things. So I go back, I'm looking at the city and same thing happens. Now I'm like freaking out a little bit. turns out that the, the ceiling was just like a uh, canvas. And had a bunch of leaves on it. Every time the wind would blow, oh. there'd be like this, like rustling leaf sound. I, I almost had a, a minor heart attack. <laughs> anyway, so, so this is what they have like on the wall here. Uh, you know, they're saying obviously, or sort of implying that they think you know these guys look like look like the Grays. You know, so mm-hmm. take that for what it's worth. I I think they're I think they're humanoids, but you know, they, so. South America, though, does have a huge history and connection with this. And I spent uh, two weeks with uh, a very good friend of mine who is half Aymara, half Quechua. She speaks both Aymara and Quechua. And, you know, they're very comfortable, very, very comfortable with the fact that the Sky family has been visiting for a long time and, and continues uh, to visit, you know. so
0: when- And this
2: guy, too. By the way, this skull is small. It's an adult. You can go back to that for a second. That skull is really small. You can probably just about see the reflection of my head like in the glass on the left. Like my skull is like half again, like the size of that. But he's got adult teeth. You know, again, upper jaw, adult teeth. Like that guy was old, but he was probably three and a half, four feet tall. Or they just had tiny heads.
0: When I'm looking at at this this one in particular the teeth stood out to me and again i'm not because you're saying it could be a deformity now there's a few things we can go off of that but one of the things that comes to mind is i don't know if you've ever heard of this guy beetlejuice he's been on like
2: i have i have i've seen memes i don't watch a lot of crazy (laughs) stuff but i have occasionally seen a meme of this guy
0: look at his teeth i don't know
2: anything about him there's there's the him and the, like, are you sure about that guy? And, the, like, I see – I don't know where either of those guys came from, but I've seen them both.
0: But it kind of resembles, right, the teeth and then the big eyes. And, again, I'm, I'm not saying this to be – I'm not bringing this up to be mean, but I'm just <laughs> pointing it out. But are you – is there any lure concerning – okay, the, let's say that these people had this deformity. Were they perhaps – is there was there any sign of hierarchy where they worship because of this deformity or were they shunned in society? Is there any I, evidence I of I that? I the, the
2: the hearsay, the you know, with the conversation <laughs> that I've heard about that subject is that they were they were wiped out. They were eventually wiped out. At some point they may have been venerated, but eventually they were they were mm. wiped out. So, you know, I, I, I don't know. I wasn't there I'm I'm not any kind of an expert but like there are an awful lot of you know these these elongated skulls all throughout uh Peru in particular and um you know it's it's interesting because they do have this connection as well with the for example if you go to Chavín temple which not many people go to because it's it's remote and it, now it's even harder to get to than it used to be but uh there is a big stone um, I could have given you footage of this. There's a big stone in front of Chavin temp- Temple.
0: How do you spell it?
2: It has uh, C-H-A-V-I-N. And there is – in front of the main temple, there's a big stone, which I think they call the, the Choke Chinche Stone, which would be C-H-O-Q-U-E-C-H-I-N-C-H-A-Y, Ha-ha, if you got that. So yeah, that temple, in front of that temple, there's a stone. And it has like these imprints in it. There's seven imprints in it. And when I was initially looking at it, I thought this looks like, because there's a puma paw in Cuzco and the puma is a big animal uh, in South America, especially for the ancient cultures. So I thought that's, uh, I thought that's what it was. And uh, I was corrected by a shaman. It's the Pleiades stone. Those seven imprints are, uh, you know, the pattern of the, the Pleiades planets as seen from earth. So, you know, these, these guys, the Chavin culture is very interesting because they have, um, you know, the land zone is there, which I have a weird story about. But um, I actually ended up talking with the, the shaman at Tiwanaku about this, and he's like, you don't, want, you don't want anything to do with the land zone. You don't want to go there. You don't want to make an offering. He was really trying to freak me out. But, um, you know, they were, it was a really powerful early culture. It's the first example first known proven example of uh, ritual and continued use of, of psychedelics like in there is this what you're talking about bro? their religion no that's that's not it um that's there a, too though a, oh, yeah that that is there it's now in a museum there's a replica Whoa. uh there um uh yeah it's like a flat I, i'll get you a picture of it or i'll get you some video of it you can superimpose it in it's just got uh like here let me um type in like uh c h o q u e
3: yeah
2: c h o no do leave chavine leave chavine there c h a v i n and then go c h o q u e c h o yeah q u e and then new word c h this is it that's it right there
0: this one right here
2: n- n- yes that one or that one they it's the same stone
0: Altar of Choke Chinche. Chinchay. Yeah.
2: And and I mean i I've, I knew a latter day Choke Chinche who died two years ago, who was a shaman who held a lot of knowledge about this site and he had been given again the name Choke Chinche. And he what he taught was that this was the Pleiades. These were the, the seven planets of the Pleiades uh, system recorded in the stone.
0: It almost like somebody would sit here, right? Or like there would there would be an offering or there, here. There
2: would be offerings. That's where you make the offering now. Who knows? You know, back in the day, exactly what they would do.
0: Interesting, because there's always something yeah. about this, right? These seven stars, almost like it's a, sort of portal mm-hmm. to another world <laughs> or they, dimension.
2: There are a lot of look. There are a lot of you know sort of Instagram memes where people actually take that organization of planets and like photoshop it into stuff in sumeria and stuff in egypt and they're like look the connection and it's so fucking annoying because i've been to those places i know that shit's not on the wall because like i you know Mm -hmm. what do you look for when you're there so it's you know that stuff is frustrating there's so many there's a site out there called um what is it uh world news report daily or something like that and it's just a satire site and they take satire and they take mostly archaeological stories, and it's 99% true, and then they insert one complete piece of total bullshit in there. And then that piece of bullshit, you know, taints the whole rest of the story. Now nobody really believes anything. I mean, that stuff happens all the time.
0: What was the story the guy was telling agenda. you about the area, you said? Or was it at this place, this, this altar of Chinche? The guy was trying to freak you out with a, with a story about something?
2: No. You see, this is... I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this, but... Uh, before... I was going back to Peru to get footage for my documentary when I was there in 2015. The the cameras I had at the time weren't very good, and the person shooting, shooting the footage didn't really know how to work them. Neither of us did. We weren't really very good at what we were doing. And a lot of the footage when I came back, I was really disappointed. And I, I knew I was going to have to go back there at some point. So... um. Last year, uh, the beginning of last last year, early 2022, I you know started feeling like Corona had subsided enough, and travel was cool, and you could get into places, and places were open. And I thought, all right, let's you know let's go back. And then I had a dream where Choke Chinchai, the shaman I knew, came to me in in my dream, and he said, "Go to Chavin Temple and do ceremony." And I, I woke up the next morning, I remembered it. And I was like, wow, that, that was a weird dream. And then like two nights later, and it was a weird dream because he was like a, on the other side of the maloka, kind of half looking away from me. And he just sort of turned his head and said, go to Chavine and, and do ceremony. And then a couple nights later, I had the same dream, except he was like half again as close and he was turned more towards me. And he was like, go to Chavin temple and do ceremony. I woke up and I was like wow I had the same dream again and then a couple nights later I had the dream again he was standing right in front of me looking right at me saying go to Chavin Temple and do ceremony and like Chavin Temple is not it's a really powerful place the energy there is really strong but it's not something that I'm really going to talk about in my documentary like there's it, I might mention it for some reasons, but it's not like a focus like some of the sites in in Peru or Bolivia or Egypt or Turkey, and um, and it's really difficult to get to. It's out of the way. Um, I had to used to be able to fly to uh, Juarez, but now you can't do that. I had to take a night bus for like ten hours to get to Juarez to find somebody to drive me like four hours over the mountain to get to this place. Like all the hotels were closed. Like it was a real, you know, it was kind of a, a, an experience. And, but I had to go, like, I was like, I can't, I can't ignore, I can't ignore the dream. And this is, this on the right, that's like a, you know, the, the smiling Jaguar. Um, And like the land zone is also like a anthropomorphic half Jaguar entity. And that's underneath the labyrinth there, and I'm pretty sure what they would do is they would, you know, fill you full of what human, whatever else, as an initiate or as a pilgrim, and then eventually take you down into the catacombs, and you would wander around and eventually come across, like, the land zone, which is this huge granite slab with a, you know, weird jaguar entity carved onto it. It's a, it's a pretty intense experience, like, sober yeah, that's the that's the land zone. And like so that the, the, the front of the face is like on the edge of the, the monolith. And then sort of, you know, so this is so.
0: their deity.
2: Yeah, it's it's an entity. Like, I just I don't know that any of these are necessarily, you know, deities. I think we like to, you know, I think the Spanish, I think, you know, the Catholics, whoever came over, the pilgrims, they were like, this is all Satan, burn all this shit. Mm hmm you know, that sort of reaction. And that's, that's kind of
0: what they did. What a beautiful I, area too. This is, it this is. I've, gorgeous. I've
2: got, and I do have some amazing video and footage of this, maybe in it. anyway. Um, But I, the more I get into this and the more that I actually have experienced these, you know, these brews with, you know, sort of the indigenous people there, the more I'm convinced that, you know, these, you know, these entities are real. There's a lot of entities that exist. They're not demons. They're not, you know, it's, they're not genies. They're not any of that kind of stuff. But like we live in a multi-dimensional realm, existence, world, universe, whatever it is. And there's so much stuff that we can't perceive. And these other entities have tasks and purposes and you know functions. And they're doing stuff. And, you know, we can't we can't really see it because it's not within the tiny narrow window of stuff that we can perceive as real. Yeah, that's the land zone. But stuff is stuff is going on and and I think some of these entities are still available. You know, they're still reachable depending on like, you know, what you're you know, how you're going about it, what your you know, what your goal is, wh- where you are like in terms of like what you can feel and and perceive. And that was really I think what alarmed the the shaman in Tiwanaku is because when I was there, I was interviewing him and i told him about those dreams and he's like he you must not go to chavine he's like this is not Chokichinchai calling you this is the land zone calling you and you don't want anything to do with that and you know again this is like spiritual beef what like for the tiwanaku people believe that like chavine originated out of tiwanaku like back in the day and so they believe that like wiracocha who is like the tiwanaku he's the guy in the the sun gate with the you know the two two stabs and the the sun hair uh he's there he's their benevolent entity deity whatever you want to want to call him and he's all about light yes this thing the guy in the middle there that's yeah yeah and so his his uh this is is the same deity yes yeah no this is not the land zone this is so apparently you know the thing is that the land zone the Chavin culture was a strong warrior culture so they were also they also engaged in in war which really the tiwanaku culture was like a you know peaceful culture so i think what his his point was you know that the land zone is not necessarily benevolent benevolent Mm -hmm. and my point was it's not necessarily evil you know i think it entirely depends on you know on the person and the situation involved but he was very clear he's like you don't go there you don't make an offering you know you don't you don't make you don't make any deals anything you do has to be on your terms like all of this stuff so like, it's, it's not really what i'm what i'm after the, it's very strange he offered to give me like this reading of like coca leaves i have all of this on video he offered to give me this reading of like you know, he reads coca leaves. He was just eating through the whole thing. And, uh, which is very common because of the altitude. And, um, and then we got, we had this discussion and I was like, by the way, I would, you know, that would be great if you would like to do, a, you know, the reading of the coca leaves. And he's like, no, he's like, we're done here.
0: (laughs) So you were having a dream that he said was of, it was actually not the shaman, but an entity that was trying to contact you to go to the temple to do this ritual. Mm-hmm. Did he say what ritual it was? Is there a, is there a this certain is, ritual? This is,
2: this is this is the whole thing. It was to go there and do ceremony. So I, I immediately initially assumed it was Wachuma because chinchai was a Wachumero. They do. Or they used to do traditionally, like the wachuma. You see the wachuma plants and the preparation, the consumption of the wachuma, like on the walls in the stone, still there at Chavine
0: Is that a psychedelic so, or an opioid or something? What? Yeah, wachuma
2: is a it's a cactus. Uh, in America, they call it the San Pedro cactus. Mm-hmm. Like it's at your local nursery. Like it's not illegal, but it is a it is a psychedelic cactus. And um, and I I. Uh, Choki Chinshai Don Howard, prepared, like, I went to, you know, the place where he, you know, sits with you with the medicine, and I actually did eight days of ayahuasca, and then I did eight days of wachuma, and then the last day we did, like, vilka on top of the wachuma. But I had made San Pedro in the past, like, as a young, as a young dude, I had made it in my 20s, and it lasted, you know, like, six to seven hours, you know, it was sort of very similar to you know like lsd in a way or or maybe mushrooms wasn't when i i drank it in peru it lasted 18 to 22 hours and it was just (laughs) fucking relentless like it was just relentless like i could feel every every crevice every part of my skull every bone like it was just oh just eight days of that was uh it was interesting to you because like with the ayahuasca it's you do it at night and the focus is you go in and with the wachuma, you do it in the day and the focus is you go out mm. and uh and like I I've just I've been in a stage where like I I just want to go in like I'm and it, the more like they were like oh, well, let's you got to do this and like go do you know and climb this and do that and I'm just like I I just want to meditate on like I feel like the need to meditate on this but you know, everybody's everybody's different. They've got their you know, their ways and, and what have you. So that's a really interesting site though, and the energy there is really, really strong. Like it's I feel like it's palpable. Like I would compare it to um you know, like the Abu Jarab Sun Temple in Egypt, just in terms of like the intensity. And I, I've started like through this, you know, the, the uh, pandemic what have you you know I realized I started getting into meditation and going to these sites like I'll tell you there's a reason that like meditation and toning and uh, anything like that is forbidden at almost all of these sites you like you can't touch this you can't go near that you can't look like you're meditating you can't sing you can't hum you can't tone like there's none of none of that stuff it's all like forbidden and i I used to think that was kind of silly and now like what i've been doing i i I encourage people if like you go to these sites and and if you feel like this is good for you i encourage you to make an offering when you reach the site to like burn some palo santo or burn some sage and express, like, ask permission to enter the site and then, like, express, like, what you want to get from the site. What are you looking for? You know, what is it you want from here? And I started doing that at these sites, and, like, my experience has changed, like, like, dramatically. And I had some really strong... I was able to meditate in a bunch of places this year in Egypt and in South America, including inside the so-called King's Chamber of of the Great Pyramid and outside the Maramuru Gateway. And honestly, I haven't had experiences like that outside, like meditating at home is not the same, like the things that happen are not the same. And so the conclusion that I'm coming to is that these are just, you know, they're, they're, energy their focal energy centers and they're i think they're places of of like i don't want to say uh lost the word i don't want to say ascension but it's like they're they're places where you you tune in and you elevate yourself a bit and suddenly things that weren't quite possible are clearer and and more possible and I, i was very fortunate to take just you know three or four people through egypt uh in in may and we had the the great pyramid to ourselves from like midnight to 2 a.m and there was there's one guy in there who was really cool with us and didn't care what we did because we were respectful but like as far as toning and whatever meditating he didn't he didn't care he didn't want to know and um we would take turns getting in the box and actually, while people were getting in the box and toning, I started, I took off my socks and shoes. So, like, my feet are grounded into the floor, my hands are on the floor. And I started meditating, and just this passageway just opened up, like, right in front of me, just boof, like off into the distance with like a, a bluish light at the other end. Like, I immediately freaked out, like, got kind of emotional, and like the door shut. And I'm like, the fuck. And so I just went through it again, five times. I was able to, Now I'm not saying like with my, I'm saying with my eyes closed, like this visualization occurred, that doesn't doesn't really happen when I'm at home. So I'm already like kind of, you know, feeling like there's an energetic thing going on in there. And I took my, my phone over to where we were like toning in the boxes and two of the people who were there had had quite deep resonant voices And they, you know, they each found like this pitch that uh, really seemed to resonate strongly, even like when you were outside of the box. And then when I got in the box, like I found like a third tone, like above that, as soon as I hit that third tone, everything washed out. Like it was just like this epic, like white noise wave where like there was nothing specific in the noise anymore. It was just like being caught in like, like hearing the ocean roar, like, you know, just like this massive kind of white noise thing going on. And so they're like, there are these three frequencies when you're in that box that combine to do that. And that's in our hearing range. So like, what else is like, you know, going on? I I think it's, I think it's an activation. I think these things are like places of activation. I think you can go there and you can, you can activate yourself. And then if you want to pursue that, you have, you've touched that thing. You know, that thing is there and now you can, you can go back. So I, this is what I started doing in Egypt. I had that experience on like the second or third day. Cause we did that really early into the trip. And I'm like, Jesus, I've got to do this everywhere. So everywhere I could, I'd let the others go. And the guide is talking and I would just sort of, Oh, I'm going to get some footage of this over here. And then I would just sort of slip off and see if I could get 10 minutes to just sort of sit there and, almost every place there in Egypt was I had a similar experience and I was sitting on the the hotep at the at and I was looking north I was looking towards the great pyramids in the north and I'm trying to meditate and like nothing's happening and I just get, it's like you need to look west I looked west and immediately like this passage opened and went down under under the ground, like into the pyramid, all this like this stone archway just off down. And just like okay, so this happens here. Like, am I imagining this? Like, this doesn't happen at home, you know, when I do this. And so I, I started Anytime we would go someplace that had like a tomb with like a, a false door, or the front of palace, or whatever they want to call the the paw doors, the soul doors that only the soul can go through. I started meditating like in front of these, even if it was just like two, three minutes. And like almost every time that false door would just like off into the distance. I just encourage people like if you find your experience, like go there, quiet yourself, shut all the noise down, establish a connection, you know, with the site and then, you know, try to see what you feel. Like these, these places, a lot of these places were, built initially built by the people we don't remember. Cause many of them was started by people we don't remember. And they were built on that site because the energy was different. And then at some point, like a religion was created around it. And then like, there's a wall and now there's a fee and then now there's a name and a, you know, this stuff kind of develops, but like initially there's like this difference, you know, in the place. So I just encourage people, like when you go to these sites, cause very often it's like, a, there's a guy with a flag, you know, okay, everybody, you know, and they're blowing a whistle, they calling the name of your group and like, look at the, and then, you know, they'll just tell you all the stuff that they learned off a little book. They don't really know any of the deep history. They can't read the hieroglyphs. You know, they're not connected with the indigenous people. This is just, you know, the stuff that, you know, you learn in a in a class that may or may not really be, be true. And especially like with Egypt, when you look at it, Uh, everything from like the new kingdom on is, is accurate because the record keeping was really good. But before then the record keeping was terrible. It was very spotty. We don't really know. And there's just a really good chance that that civilization goes back an extra how long, you know, and then these really, these pieces that are really out of antiquity that are super old, really seems super old. Now it makes sense why nobody remembers them. Now it makes sense why the dynastic Egyptians didn't talk about building the pyramids, the Great Pyramids or building the Sphinx because, you know, it was already there. And that that makes sense if you if you look at either the culture going back or if you look at the fact that in the last hundred thousand years, like we think of our human culture as the only one to like go into a Stone Age and come out and then go into a Bronze Age and then become like this modern civilization. But how many, how many times did we come out into a Stone Age and then get wiped out and go back in? How much of that stuff is hidden underneath the oceans, however far out, when the sea level was however much different, or when the continents were, you know, whatever? So, like, I just think that, that we don't we don't really know. And it, it, the same thing sort of makes sense in, in South America with some of those sites, you know, like Pumapunku, like Oyente Tambo, like the Coricancha, uh, like Sacsayhuaman, where you have you know, all of this evidence of the Inca and other cultures afterwards coming along and using these sites and rebuilding them with this small stone construction that is nowhere near as grand or epic. And then, you know, I was there this year and I, I I'm talking to the guides there I'm talking to the archaeologists there because I really want to understand you know I don't want to go in there yelling and screaming I, I really want to understand why is it you know that, that you think this and I'm just waiting for the good reason and I did see some good construction techniques for like Sasuman I don't necessarily believe it but like I'm like okay that's credible but like when it comes to why are none of these incredible structures the really the old super interlocking, really fine technique with the incredible shaped blocks. Like you know, what are you how are you doing that? Like and fitting that all together and it's all like earthquake resistant. That's why this stuff's been around forever because it resists earthquakes way better than, you know, the stuff we build today because it moves and then it just goes back into place. And there's this particular lip technique that I found at a couple of sites that you just don't see anywhere else in the world. Like whatever was going on there was really incredible. And so when you ask, well, how come, how come they never finished? How come the Inca, oh, this is a temple and this is a royal building, unfinished, unfinished, whatever site you're at, Tambo Machai, Puca Pico, it doesn't matter. Like they're all unfinished. Sacsayhuaman, the Caracancha, it's like all unfinished. So why, why is it all unfinished? Why is this all finished with this stuff? And so what they'll try to tell you is like they were either interrupted by the Spanish, uh, which is bullshit. Uh, because all of that stuff is older. Or like in the case of Machu Picchu, where like they know they hid from the Spanish there. The conquistadors never found Machu Picchu. So they say, oh, well, in that case, and if you go to, if you look at Machu Picchu, you will find that there are all these central, a couple of central buildings, like on the top. There's probably five or six of them that are made in that cellular, incredible style. And those are usually built around the older monolithic stuff that has like, Weird, you know, these are just like some kind of ancient, really truly ancient altar. So this stuff is usually built around that. And then everything else is this small stone construction. And so what they tell you when you're there, they will tell you, oh, you know what? The Inca came here. They started building in their usual magnificent style. And then they went, we just don't have enough time. And so they just switched. To making some, like they literally will tell you that they were impatient. They needed to finish their houses, like they didn't know how fucking long it was going to take to build it the old way before they started. Do you know what I mean? Like that's so. Everywhere you go, there's a reason why it's incomplete, and that reason is always something weak. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm still waiting. I we'll we'll have to do one on. Oyente Tambo and and like Machu Picchu because I have I have some really really super amazing footage um, when I went this year. I was actually on the train to Machu Picchu and I was in a carriage filled with French people who were all extremely ill, and uh, and they you know I made it so far without getting sick and then after Machu Picchu I got really sick from all these French people and uh, Vive la France and. Um, <laughs> So when I was coming back, I spent two days in Machu Picchu. And then when I was coming back in Ollantaytambo, I was really ill. And Ollantaytambo was also the day I was going to go to Napa Iglesias, Napa Huaca, which we're going to see some of that footage in a minute. Um, And I was so sick at a temperature of like 101. And I stopped at the pharmacy, the nearest pharmacy to the hotel, which happened to be right outside Ollantaytambo. And I turned around and there was nobody there. And I'm like, I don't care how sick I am. I have to go in here and just get this footage of... This place with nobody there so i got some really good really good footage this
0: year to to back up a little bit sure sorry buddy no you're good because i always tell everyone this story about you in the box and how it 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 would shake violently and you had to get out and if i'm not mistaken crowley made contact there in 19 something or other with iowas and that's what had instructed him to Right, write the their their main book, the book of the law, if I'm not mistaken, and so like this idea of meditating at these sites because the sites themselves, it's either the proportions in which they were built to, or the location, or a combination of of that, right? The, the right. proportions plus the location, right? That is able to open these places up because, and and the place itself becomes a sort of gateway if you will it becomes a sort of portal right and you're not and maybe maybe not even what do the locals say about why these why the indigenous people chose these areas to begin with Involve aliens
2: are we talking about south america are we talking about
0: Let's let's talk about the South America the Chavín temple because that, that one that one's interesting. Do they what do they say about this particular area? Is it the Sky People again? You know,
2: I think most of the academic study there focuses on Chavín as like a center of pilgrimage. And it's kind of interesting because it was a very long time ago. It's a very early culture. It's really far up. It's far north in the Andes. And yet it has a lot of it's not in the jungle. And yet it has a lot of jungle iconography and a lot of there's a lot of evidence of people coming a very long way in ancient times to come and do pilgrimage there. So I think I think that's sort of like their focus, the fact that that these people were, you know, felt they were deeply connected to Pleiadians for whatever reason, enough that they had to, you know, sort of make a, a, a monument to it, you know, I think is is interesting. Um, and of course, what you see is, you know, what we always used to make fun of it because the ancient David Hatcher Childress with his – it's a doorway <laughs> that doesn't seem to go anywhere. At some point, you have to ask yourself. But like what, he's right that there are an awful lot of doorways in South America that don't seem to go anywhere. Well, even this one. But but the well, see, this is this is Pumfunku and or this is actually a Tiwanaku. I think. Um, yeah, But uh, these stones, I think may have actually come from, from Pumapunku because they're very similar to the gateways at, at Pumapunku and nothing else at Tiwanaku is so much like these as a couple of, of them. I think anyway, um, you know, nothing here is where it was. That is the gate of the moon. Um, and uh, again, like it's, it's all, and that stuff's all andesite This is sandstone. Uh, the back of, I'll tell you, okay, there's another monolith that's about three times the size of that one that's in the local museum that has been closed for like 15 years. And I've, I've talked to the archaeologist there, and he's like, they won't let me open it. I can't show anybody the monoliths. And there's there was this story about these, some of these monoliths when I went there this time, and I was actually in Semipata with my Aymara Quechua friend, and she said when we go back to Tiwanaku... I heard something, and I want to find out like what really happened. How's your Spanish, Juan?
0: I'm fluent in Spanish.
2: I may do you want to translate something for me? I'll tell you the story, and then you can tell me if you want to translate it for me. Yeah. So, she, I said, okay. So, what's the what's the story? And she said, okay. Uh, you know, the guards, one of the guards uh, from the museum in Tiwanaku, was going home at night. And these guys aren't, they're not local. They're like federales. They're like a federal police force. They've got, you know, guns and badges and the green jackets and all, all shit. Anyway, he's like, he was coming home and he saw a humanoid figure that was about 11, 12 feet tall. And it had uh, the head of a puma and it had a, an axe in one hand and, and the head of like a human in the other hand. And she's like, the story's going around. And like, when we go back, like, I have to find out so i said okay so we were actually walking around tiwanaku and here come three of these guys so i just kept the camera running i pretended it wasn't i just kind of pointed it randomly somewhere and didn't look at the camera again and she asked them about like the story and um it was the partner of one of the guys who was there and he said no no it didn't happen like that he was in the museum and he was you know doing his rounds and one of the monoliths moved like towards him. <laughs> and so we were like, wow, like which, you know, which monolith was it? Like, and it was one of the Jaguar headed uh, monoliths. So I, I thought that was easy, interesting. So I asked her if you he would contact the the local archaeologist, a guy called Luis, who's actually the son of the shaman, the Tiwanaka shaman and. He took me in the museum and opened some of the the doors for me, and I I wasn't allowed to take my video camera in, but I I took my phone in. I got some photographs. There's a 21-foot-tall monolith in there that – now, the shaman at Tiwanaku told me, like, they do not give any kind of – in their culture, they do not give psychedelics to the people. Like maybe it's for the shaman. I don't know. He didn't clarify, but like they don't give psychedelics to the people. Anyway, so this monolith is in there. And I noticed on the pants that this monolith is wearing. It's got covered in all kinds of inscriptions and art. But the pants are just covered in these sort of weird circles. And I, I asked Luis about them. He goes, Those are Vilka seeds. And like I just Im- immediately got like this chill because like you know he's like they use it to make rapé and I'm like no they don't they use vilka to make vilka like rapé is made from something you can make a rapé from vilka but it's
0: vilka What's rapé if- what is that
2: Rapé is something that people do in South America uh usually before or sometimes after like an ayahuasca session or something like that it's it's a powder and they've got like this weird thing that you put up your nose and the powder's in it, and somebody else blows like the other end and it blows this powder like way up into your nasal cavities and your eyes burn and you cry, but like it makes you feel really clear and you know, lucid. I the haven't devil's I haven't done, breath, I, I don't know what else they call it, it's just rape, R-A-P-E within. Excellent. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm looking at it now. There's like a few different things. There's a ceremony, right. the nasal snuff. Yeah, I see the tube in the other guy's nose. Right. And they're but blowing it.
2: Yeah, but it's not what what I would call psychedelic. Um, whereas, like, Vilka is a, probably the most psychedelic thing on the planet. It has um, three kinds of DMT in it, it's the seed of a, of a mimosa tree and uh, it has 5-MeO DMT which is like the you know the beyond the beyond this realm molecule these little it seeds has, yes they look just like that yeah and they um and what you do is you you toast them lightly and then they, they split open and you you grind i think the insides into a powder and you add either ash or lime to it you know sort of dry it out and make a soft powder and then then you you know, you snort it. And I, I did this in Peru prepared by Choke Chinchai. And this is what I think I told you about this. We snorted this through the finger bones of like a 300-year-old <laughs> finger bone of a dead monk, obviously dead. And uh, it was just crazy because, you know, I was still going on the watch Huma from earlier that afternoon um, or earlier that morning, which just went into the night as usual.
0: And that's the one where you were teleported to this room and you saw.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and
2: like that's so like as soon as i saw those seeds depicted on the pants of this monolith and the archaeologist says, oh yeah vilca seeds and then he's like yeah they made a rape from it and i'm like yeah yeah that's not rape mate like i've i've been there <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not rape so but it was a really i had a really strong moment of like understand and this i think i i don't know if i told you about the statue of tlaloc in mexico outside the Anthrop- anthropological museum in mexico there's a Giants that almost the same size, uh, height-wise, statue of Tlaloc, the rain god. And this was outside a, um, uh, like a building, a village in Mexico. And at some point in like the 60s, I think, they moved it to be outside the Anthropological Museum in, in Mexico. Yeah, Tlaloc. Yes, th- and that's actually the statue I'm talking about right there in the water on the right. And uh, so... When they moved this statue to its current position, I think it, it rained for like a week. There were, there were like massive floods, like people died, you know, and they were all like, Oh my God, the statue of Tlaloc. It just happened when they moved this thing and people might say, Oh, coincidence. But the same thing happened with, uh, with this monolith with the Vilka on its pants down in, down in Tiwanaku. Uh, Luis was telling me, Oh, this statue used to be, you know, this, you know, location, and they moved it here, and there was a massive flood, and all these people died, and like we haven't moved it like since.
0: And, and what's the connection? What what's the connection with the seeds being on the statue? What do you think that is? Uh, is that like this is, these these are
2: yeah? This is uh, like this is a power plant. You know, this is a this is a the seed is a power plant. It's a it's a plant that gives you like an interdimensional ability. You know, when the the place I went to where they do, which is one of the only places I know that, that offers Vilca in Peru. There may be other places, I just haven't seen any. But like one of the things Chinchai used to tell you, it, I, it was a little bit melodramatic because, you know, you go through this day of Wachuma at the very end. So you've gone through like a, eight days of ayahuasca, which is murderous or can be murderous. And then the Wachuma on top of that eight days. And then they give you the Vilca in the end. And you're sitting around this Masada which has all of these power objects, human skulls, animal skulls, different crystals, all
3: these
2: power objects, you know, and uh, all these ancient flutes, they have like, they look like jugs, but you fill them with like different amounts of water and they make a different tone when you like blow into them. So we're all like blowing in these, anyway, so So he he gives you this story. Like when you're, you're sitting there and he's like, you know, this is you know the indigenous people they refer to this as the bridge between life and death and you should be prepared you may see dead relatives you may see whatever and like some people don't come back and then he's like so who wants to go first and i was just like me because like i am not going to sit here and watch 15 other people maybe not come back like <laughs> i'm first on that train so and i'm never i'm never wanted to be first for anything but i did i did i you know they tell you to go back to your room and it, it takes about 15 minutes to kick in it lasts about 15 minutes uh similar to i guess other dmt's Mm -hmm. and it's uh, was a very very cosmic experience and again it's like one of those things that like has sort of informed me because like it showed me the disc that i was telling you about that i had to i realized i was supposed to step onto this disc and the disc had like these patterns in it and through the patterns on the disc there were these like serpents of light that were like lighting up the pattern and i realized as i looked at this i was supposed to step on it and then i stepped on it and i was in a room and since then like i have seen those type of discs like in mexico in particular like in museums there's uh in the Anthropo- anthropological museum there's like six of them like, i didn't know these things existed at all like the it doesn't have the same design as the one i stepped in uh, stepped on but what are the discs
0: called do they have a name it's, it's an
2: unpronounceable name that begins with C. Like, um, a, a <laughs> Like I mean, I'll have to try and, uh, my, it might, because it's in, like, Nahuatl. So, like, it's, it's you know, it's like it's C A H U I something or Kahwoksila. I can't remember the offhand, the name of it. But there's a – maybe do anthropo- Anthropological Museum Mexico discs. Maybe search something like that and, like, see if something comes up. Yeah, they're large. They're usually granite. And they're usually really big. They're usually, like, you know, two or three feet high. And you There's, know, five, there's you
0: the know? disc of death. There's this thing.
2: Right. So, like, you see the sun disc, which is next to it there. This mm-hmm. is the – or the, go actually down below it to the right. Yeah, click on that one real quick, because that one's got a gateway in the middle of it. But this is the kind of thing, this is um, you know, this has got an entity on it, and in the center of his, he's got, there's a portal there with like a, a, a cymatic figure in the middle. If you've noticed that, I don't know if you know about cymatics, but if you look yeah. at, at that you know, thing on the right there, if you look at that center shape, that is a frequency. So I look at that. I look at an entity that has a portal with like a frequency symbol in the mm-hmm, middle of that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what I see when I see that. Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a I'm a gateway bro. But these are the the kind of discs I'm talking about. There's a lot of them. They have a lot of different designs on them. I haven't found the one that has the design on it that I saw. I found a smaller one with a less intricate kind of version in that museum.
0: So so you have these discs and I think this is a good segue to talk about Amaru Muru because sure. in that the, the lure for that is right. That the, I don't know, the, the, I think he was a King or something, the great warrior King or something or other. He had this disc, right? An ancient astronaut theorist believe that <laughs> <laughs> you know, this was some sort of, some sort of key to this gateway, right? Cause the, Anything mm. interdimensional, anything gateway portal related, I love because that's the kind of stuff that. Really... Well, I do
2: too. I do too, and then the reason why there's a couple reasons why I think portal research is really important, and I, I think the I think the biggest reason is that like if you look at our space travel, right? Even if we were like in the even if we had like Star Wars tech, right? we still can't really get around super fast. I mean, they, you know, they've got light speed. It's not really that great light speed. We're looking at how do we get to nearby planets? How do we, you know, colonize something else? How do we get wherever? And it's just like, not only the distance is really hard, but we would have to build, you know, like... What they call like the generational ships, right? Or the colony ships where it's like you get on the ship, but you won't be reaching wherever it'll be like your great, great grandkids or or something like that. We don't really have the technology to to freeze people properly and come out hibernate people. All that stuff is like, seems like we're not close, you know, at least in, in the mainstream, right? So if we're going to get somewhere really realistic the human body even if we did spend all that time on those ships by the time we got wherever we were we'd be like these lab rats that had never left you know, we'd look lab. like those
0: mexican mummies yeah we'd, we'd show up <laughs> we'd show up somewhere and we'd probably just, just we'd look, we'd look like this
2: <laughs> yeah exactly it wouldn't be good so like really i think i think what we need is is you know portal technology needs to be needs to be instantaneous. So if if there is a, a history or an idea of this or a thought about this, it, you know we should look into it because that is going to be the real answer if we can ever make it happen. And um, you know, so and again, these doorways appear everywhere. Yeah. So this is the video I rocked up on this day, and I was this whole trip like because I didn't do any of like the the normal times or routes. Almost everywhere I went was was empty. And this day, it was just my Aymara friend and myself and uh, Socrates, the guy with his flute, who just makes sure people don't you know, do anything stupid there. So I, I actually sat down. I have like 30 minutes of this doorway because I, I just set the camera on record. This is at the end. I panned around a bit, but I set the camera down and I just meditated there. And I had uh, almost immediate vision. There was like this... Uh, path that went up to the gateway and it was black and it had, like, these diamonds in it. So I stepped onto the path and I realized it was actually, like, space and and the diamonds were like stars. And I went up to the gate and I went through the gate and there was an area there It was almost like scaffolding and there were, like, a bunch of other gates. (laughs) Like, I just... It's so weird because, like, I had that experience meditating, but, like, I hadn't thought. I was just like, I'm going to meditate when I get there. But there was, like, I'm not – it doesn't seem like what I would imagine. That's the interesting thing. I feel like I would have imagined something something else. And that's my experience, like, with DMT. I have these experiences. that You see this stuff, and I'm like, that's not how my imagination works. So it's a, you know, it's a really – it's a weird thing. It's in the middle of nowhere, avenue, too, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, this is, like, you cross over from Bolivia back down into Peru, and you maybe drive for an hour, and you're just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And there's these, uh, a lot of interesting rock formations there that just have come out of the ground. This one about half a mile away, they call, like, the spine of the serpent that has, like, some really old steps carved into it. And you can walk along, like, the back of that and, uh, yeah, and that's Socrates sitting there playing playing his flute, and uh, it was yeah, it was really nice. It was a nice vibe. We just got there, and I made made my offering and uh, meditated for a while, and it was it was
0: good. Is there people that live out in the distance there? When you pan, when you were panning around, is there like there's there's a little village
2: or a you know, little community back there? I t- the weirdest thing was I was at Puma Punku you could hear this music coming from like miles away somewhere and it, like there was a school a couple of miles away and it was right before the the June Inti Rami ceremonies which are huge in Peru so like the school band was practicing their and I'm like God, that's so weird what is that I know and I, as I wandered around Pumapunku finally it was like this Peruvian middle school band playing the final countdown <laughs> so, <laughs> A really surreal experience.
0: Because in the center of that doorway or cut off mm. in the center, there there's there's like an indentation. There's like a circle or mm. something. And they say that's where there is. maybe they could have plugged and this look, thing in.
2: You know, look, most a lot of these things look like sockets. And this doorway shape, this particular doorway shape you find uh, on temple walls in Egypt a lot, that exact uh, shape. It's a weird shape, and you find that shape in multiple places in Egypt, and it usually has some form of, you know, it, it's making, like, the the word, you know, stargate or door to heaven, you know, whatever whatever it is that you're thinking of. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them at Dendera. There's a lot of them in other, But if you're able – if you go to Dendera, and they, this time I went there, it was locked. One of the upper rooms with the zodiac on the ceiling – there's a lot of big gates there with multiple stars like around it, and then like multiple stars inside the gateway. It's pretty interesting. So I, you know, I look for that stuff. Like I look for for Sechette's flowering crown chakra. The stuff like I look for because I, it means something. I feel like it means something on a, on a deeper level, like between the lines somewhere.
0: And do the people did you talk to any of the locals there? Do they talk about UFOs or anything of this? Because this is on Lake Titicaca, right? Which is one mm-hmm. of these lakes where they talk about UFOs emerging out of.
2: Yes, that's most of most of the stories that I've heard are are watching the vehicles go in and out of the lake. Really? Yeah. And there's there's a there's a you know once if you go up to Silistani too, I've got some beautiful footage of like that that lake behind Silistani and like the. The geologic platforms that come out of that lake are really, really cool looking. And I, you know, you can't help but think that that would be like a cool spot for something like that. And, you know, what are those towers anyway? A lot of them are copies of like the original ones. You know, they were used as as tombs. But what were the original ones used as?
0: And Lake Titicaca is pretty, pretty big. It is big. Yeah, it's a huge lake. Yeah, in, in 2015... Um, these are these artificial islands, right?
2: I guess, I guess so. Oh, yes, like the the Reed Islands. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of them. Um, I I took a tour group in 2015, and there was a day uh, that we spent out on one of those, except I didn't get to go because one of the people was really sick, so I had to take them to um, a doctor and do other stuff. So I missed the Reed boat, the Reed Island day.
0: Oh, and the boats made out of
2: reeds too? yeah. Yeah, and there was another day we went out on the lake in 2015, too, and we, we went to see, like, a sunken temple on an island that was near, like, a sunken temple. Like, you know, there's temples underwater there. Whoa. So, or at least little towns or something, and, then, you know, there's stonework under there. Um, and, you know, it's a, you know you look at Pumapunku. that place was destroyed by something, and I, it feels like a tidal wave. It feels like that because everything is kind of strewn about, and there's still massive blocks um you know 50 tons more just jammed into the side of hillsides you know like lost lego blocks or something it's pretty crazy
0: that, that, is that are these stones next to the the gate no, of the, the sun the one
2: on in, no the one on the left the, the h blocks are at pumapunku and the the gate of the sun is actually at, at tiwanaku
0: how far are they away from each other
2: they're very, very, very close. You can just walk from from one to the other.
0: Oh, okay. And then here's that shape that you're talking about here.
2: Yep. And and what's interesting is if, it, you know, if I'd known we were going to do this, I would have given you the footage inside those H blocks. <laughs> inside those H blocks. Inside the pattern in the H blocks. In the top part of the H, there is the symbol of one doorway, one type of doorway. And in the bottom part of that block, there is a symbol of another shape of doorway. And there's that block that you just scroll past that has about 30 on the other side of that block. There's a line that goes down it and it's indented into it about four mil, three millimeters. And inside the groove that's indented into that, there are like 30 holes that have been drilled into the stones It's andesite, So it's holding it and they're small, really small stones. And I actually asked, I found another one like it in the, the closed museum. And I asked Luis, I was like, how did they... How did they drill these holes? And he's like, "To be honest, we have no idea." So, I mean, it's not saying that it was impossible, but they don't—they don't have—they don't, have, don't know what the tool was. They don't know what the technique was. So, again, you have these these gateways that are—you know—they they act like they're recessing. They're like the the so-called false doors in a lot of Egyptian so-called tombs, in that they seem to be. You know, kind of opening back. This is Oyente Tombo. I actually got up on top of that and was able to get video of what those blocks look like from behind and what's supporting that. There's nobody there. It's amazing. So I'll have to do another one on that stuff. Yeah, but inside those eight, the top and the bottom, there are doorways. And they're l le-
0: they're they're magnetic too, right? Some of them are magnetic if you put
2: a compass above them, it'll just spin. Yep, yeah, not all of them, but some of them. And andesite is not typically magnetic. So you know, maybe something
0: happened. Look at that.
2: Yeah, that's an interesting uh, block, too. And there's another one that I couldn't find again this time that had, like, parallel lines on it that look like a, an Egyptian offering table.
0: There's this other... So, there you one. go.
2: So, like, yeah, you see inside... That's inside an H block. So oh, if, if you, okay. If you, were able to, if you were able to go up uh, on that, there would be another one, but it would be, like, the other shape in, in the upper part of that. This is, yeah, this is Puma, Puma. and and you see how the, the, the doorway there, that's half of a big, like, gateway right there. And what I noticed this last time is that there are these holes on the bottom, and there's a hollow area inside there. I don't know if you ever played with, like, Star Wars toys. You're probably a little young. The OG Star Wars toys had, like, a hole in their heel for, like, a peg, <laughs> so they would stand up. And, like, the a lot of the bigger blocks here, um, the doorways, they've got holes carved into the You're bottom best. of the stone, like that, the bigger and there's a hollow area inside that's like, I don't know, the you know the size of like a, a volleyball or something, maybe a bit smaller than that.
0: So aside from like all of the, right, the woo woo, is- if you will, like the esoteric occult aspect of it, this is still pretty amazing and very impressive. This like is really, it's really unreal
3: yeah it's
2: really unreal and in fact, some of the stuff in Peru boggles my mind more than some of the stuff in Egypt. Egypt has larger stuff. They did things with larger stuff, but the quality of some of the craftsmanship in Peru is just absolutely mind boggling. And I was talking to you about like what I call like lipping. And it's like this technique they have where when they're like making Sacsayhuaman or the Inca Roca, what they call the Inka Roka wall, or uh, even at Oiente tombo, the old style, when they are interlocking these stones, the one underneath it has, not on the edge, but like inside about an inch, there's like a lip that comes up and runs along that. So like the stone above is like fitting into this lip. There must be a groove there for like that lip to, to fit into. And it's like, it's always perfect. It's always perfect. The only time it's not perfect is when somebody's put it back together. There's a, like a, um, a fertility, uh, temple, uh, somewhere South of Puno that I, I stopped and took a look cause it was there and it, it has some of the old stone, uh, construction, but it's been put back together in modern times. It looks, it looks terrible. <laughs> like whoever did it initially, like, you know, they did it right. And we're here today. Well, let's put it back together. Oh, it looks like shit. you know.
0: And I mean, it's like looking at, have you ever been to Stonehenge?
2: I have been to Stonehenge,
0: yeah. And it's like when you're looking at this sort of stuff and you're trying to just like wrap your head around what they could have possibly been using it for. And I'm sure that, let's say in the maybe not so near distant Mm -hmm. future, right? This where everything is wiped out and we have rather like the typical Last of Us, the cities are taken over by the trees and the fungus and everything else, right? And it's like the people who are gonna be coming from, you know, during that time, they're gonna wonder like, you know, the the Empire State, State Building, what were they using this for? Like, you know, it's all gutted now and it's it's almost you completely know,
2: that in, stuff will all be gone probably in about four or five hundred. It's just <laughs> it's just it's just steel and concrete. Like yeah. that stuff is really not gonna like plants will rip that shit up in no time and steel will eventually just degrade. Like it's not really going to last anything. Like if you really want to build something less, you've got to make it out of hard stone.
0: But it's amazing to sit here and look at these places and be like, what could they, can you imagine if you could go back in time, you know,
2: some of the, some of the stuff at Tiwanaku too, it looks like, it looks like um, a floor mold for like heavy machinery, it looks like something again that you would slot something into, and a lot of these places, like they look like something what they look like something like you would slot in, like something slots in here. I went to a place called Semipata in Bolivia, which is, I think, the largest monolith I've ever seen. It's just carved into the you know the living living bedrock, and it has more doorways into that bedrock than I think I've seen into any one thing ever and that you know the bedrock is really warm to the touch all the Inca walls that have been sort of built around it later which they acknowledge are later for once are all cold so the bedrock is still connected to something very warm there It was a really cold misty day and that bedrock was almost like steaming like it's, uh, you know all of these places they have, they have that energy first and then, then they have something else you know that was built there too
0: hmm and yeah. and another one that really fa- has always fascinated me has been uh Petra in is it yeah. Petra in Jordan yeah that place is crazy bro
2: Petra is interesting and and there's a lot of stuff there it's like i I did a really rushed day there at the end of a trip in twenty eighteen where I was just trying to hit like Turkey and Jordan and um
0: Look how amazing.
2: Lebanon, the Lebanon, like in in one day. And a lot of them, you know, there's not that much stuff inside all of them. Uh, Some of them are just like a small room, but a lot of the stuff that you don't see, like the famous Treasury building, for example. Remind me, I'll give you some footage of this. The one you see in Indiana Jones, right? Mm -hmm. When they're where the, the grail is supposedly. What you never see on that is if you actually walk up to the front of that, this. If you walk up to the front of that and you pan the camera down, there's like sub layers. There's doorways that look like that that are under the ground that go into the bedrock. It's all locked and bolted. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know where that goes. I've never seen a picture. I'd never seen a picture of that before I got there. Those, uh, you know, imprints on the left, they figure were people used so people could climb up and like do the. Do the chisel work? I find this all of this really weird because it looks like classical Greek stuff to me, but it's yeah. almost supposed
0: to be what year like, is this?
2: Like the Nemeans or, or whatever.
0: What year is this from? Let's see here.
2: And there's there's a, there's a scooping tool, like a lateral scooping tool that, like, I don't know if it's a tool or if it's a natural, like, a wind effect. But like, there are some things there that I, I thought were interesting, but it. It's not one of my favorite sites for sure, but it was it was interesting to see.
0: Well, it's it's really big, bro. Like that—that's the thing I was about to it say. It's
2: huge. There's another site there too that's a little smaller and is almost more spectacular. I can't remember the name of it offhand, but it's that's a really big site. And like, if you go up to the the, the monument at the top, it's a re it's a really long climb. And I, at that point, like. The four of us who went, we'd been climbing in and out of pyramids and stuff for like six weeks. <laughs> we, we were dying. That day. one of my friends who was there, she like we stopped at this little shack and I I bought like a Snickers bar or something. Just I needed some sugar, and like she came out with her Snickers bar and she's like, "How much did he charge you for the Snickers bar?" And I'm like, "A dollar." And she, she burst into tears because he charged her two dollars, and like she we <laughs> it was just like the state of like where we were all so. So shot at that <laughs> point, like, so burned out that she just lost it over, over a dollar on the Mars bars. In retrospect, it was quite funny.
0: This is a, a lot good. of these are
2: used as camel and, like, goat shacks. If you go in them, it's just filled with, like, camel shit and goat shit. Really? Yeah. But what you notice on top of, like, a lot of these is you get this, this step, what they, in, in South America, up here, like, above the above the doorway. Do you see, like, the steps? Like in South America, they'd be telling you all about the Chicana and the Andean cross, and like how three of those, you know, this is a sacred thing, and then you know, and this is what this represents. But you see this in Jordan, you see this in Egypt, you see that, in, and oh, it's a geometric, it's just a step pattern. But like you see that pattern all over the ancient world.
0: Mm-hmm. This pattern here, like this Lego, at the one,
2: right, yeah, the one right above the the doorway there. It's if you a... look at, you know, that's like the. The Chicano, the Andean cross, uh, you know, uh, if you go to Abu Seir in um, Egypt, you'll see that on the, the walls of the temple and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know if it it's a connection, but you, you yeah. start seeing similar things and you start noticing.
0: And here they, they almost like started, but then like didn't fully...
2: Well, a lot of it is like that. A lot of it's like a facade. Like I'm not sure if there's any place that really becomes like a Cappadocia here. Like I, I've, I haven't seen any indication of that. I haven't heard anybody talking about how there's, you know, livable space inside. But, but maybe the there blocks. is. There's definitely. There's definitely. Um, yeah, there's definitely areas there that you're not allowed into. Like what's in it? Might, I don't know. I tend yeah. to think a lot of that site is. I think some of the site is is old, and and then the rest of it is is much much later.
0: It, look at a that pretty, nice sky a... too, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of the places I'd like to go. I know, I know you and I had planned to go to Egypt this year, but then mm-hmm. you friggin' like everything supercharged everything,
2: it. Everything got got smashed into what it had to be, and it was it was a really. Anxiety inducing and stressful experience. Like it's never been for me before, to be honest. I, I didn't have a very good time. But uh but it was still it was still quite powerful, like in, in some ways. So I was just, you know, it's a really it's a different experience.
0: So And this this site that we got here, what is this? this is called
2: This is Napahuaca. It's also called Napa Glacius. Yeah, I just sped up I just like I put that stuff on the beginning. This is Inca, but like you have to it's not far from Oyente Tombo. You kind of have to drive out in the middle of nowhere and then walk up a train track for a while, and then you can climb up the mountain. I had like a hundred and something temperature this day. I was so ill, but uh, you get up there and there are uh, multiple gateways. And again, this is this is one of these things. There's one of these cut into in Oyente Tombo too. And if you look at this, like it's a really interesting thing about Peru. Nothing is ever quite a straight angle. It always looks perfect but it isn't. And it's like something the Greeks actually used to do with their temples is if you do everything in, a, in, a, in the actual correct, precise formula, when you look at it from certain angles, it looks wrong. So they figured out with some of those Greek temples how to build it wrong so it looked right. And I think this is kind of the sort of thing that the Peruvians did here. Um, you know, they create these things that look like they're straight lines and right angles and they're not and there's there's a, like an iron seam a seam of iron i think that is that runs through the top of that and i've noticed because yusuf used to point it out to me a lot a lot of the central chambers of various pyramids have like a ream of iron like running through them for for whatever reason so i wanted to document that but so this is destroyed partially destroyed by the spanish i think they took like dynamite to it um and this this doorway again. People still come here and like leave offerings and stuff here. This stuff on the right. There's another little cabin, a stone cabin, around to the left. Clearly built by the Inca. That s- small stone construction with the imitation alcoves. But this thing is very dark, dark on my monitor. I don't know if it's lighter on your monitor. or not. Yeah, it's a this, little dark
0: because of the shadow. This
2: right. This both. This this doorway here. Pause it for a second on this doorway. This is a really interesting technique because you see this at Oyan Teotihuacan. First of all, if you see a door in South America and it's not just, if it has like an initial, you know, sort of uh, doorway like thing or initial cutout, it means it's sacred. So if there, if it's ever not just a door but it has like a cut into the door, mm-hmm. that goes back, that means this is a sacred place. This is this is what they tell you. So this is sacred because they've done that. And they, they have just pulled this, you know, block of stone out. Now, I imagine because, like, there are little white marks, which I, I would tend to believe were chisel marks, you know, the little tippy tap, like a finishing mm-hmm. thing. But, like, they've just removed, like, a block and a very smooth, everything's very smooth in there. And it's just.
0: And the, the, what you mentioned about them, like, a taking these proportions and kind of changing them up a little bit. Do you think it was to make it look, you know, good, build it wrong. So think, it looks good or uh, yeah. I've heard also before that sometimes they will not make it perfect in order not to imitate like deity or God and then not make it come to like, you know, I've seen like, Oh, the statue, we paint it a little bit off here so it doesn't come yeah. to life because it's so perfect, right. you know?
2: You know, it's it's interesting. I mean, I you know, I can't say, but you know, my my Amara friend, when I was talking to her at, at
0: Puma Punku,
2: because she believes that stuff is molded. She doesn't believe that stuff was cut. She thinks
0: mm. that stuff came mold. like polymer, we I think is what they call it. Right? Yeah,
3: yeah. Uh,
2: and you know, she's she lives like you could throw a stone at the the gate of the moon from her. I I could see the gate of the moon from from. Her, the bedroom I was staying in at her house, you know, she's in the indigenous history. She's lived there forever. She thinks it's, it's molded. Like I, I tend to think it was not molded, but like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'd be interested to find out for sure at some point anyway, but I asked her, I said like, what kind of tools, because this is, you know, this is a long time ago. I think we're really talking about, if you look at the Aymara history, um, you know, they will tell you that this, that site is like 14,000 years old. So, which is what, incidentally, the archaeologist was saying before, like, they were like, wait a second, you know, it's only a thousand years old, because that fits. Uh, but it, the, I asked, so what tools, you know, what tools do you need to do this? Because, you know, you look at those H blocks, you t- it's so smooth. Like, it, it, it feels like it was cut with heat or something. It's just like glass. And uh, she said, well, what, what tools do you need as like a fifth dimensional, you know, being?
3: <laughs> like I have no, I have no answer
2: for that because, like, I mean, I wait. So, I, I, which I'm is where they're? Yeah, I think I'm aware that they're entities. Like, I don't know. Like, well, what would a fifth dimensional being need to do if he wanted? Would he use a mold? Would he just mold it with his?
0: well his, but but I, I, but know, Luke, which is it? is it? Do they believe that the deities or I, I can't know? speak?
2: I can't speak for them. I think the, one of the the you know, the local histories is that Pumapunku was built in one night. So whoever could build something like that in one night is, you know, they're either Amish or they're like, (laughs) you know, Amish stone workers, or they're like far beyond anybody like working in stone, you know, that we see, we see today. I just think a lot of these, some of these sites seem to be indicative of a culture that progressed a lot further with stone work than we did. Like we got out of our stone age and went into a a bronze age and these guys stuck in their stone age for a while. It kind of, that sort of thing kind of makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the other, so the other block there is, is really interesting too because this is, it used to have a Puma head on top, you know, the, um, the Spanish dynamited that. And then I believe there was another gateway on the right side because you can see the start of the, design around it and then that's just been destroyed uh and i you know if these are you know if these aren't just ornamental if these had some kind of actual you know use stargate capability what you would have here is almost like um you know like a i don't know like a a portal depot right because you've got this one coming from somewhere and then you've got two on the other thing coming from somewhere or going to somewhere. This is like a hub, you know?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So like, is that what it is? Or did they just come up here and make offerings and do the ceremony? I mean, it's, it's very easy to to go with the, you know, with the traditional not crazy thought. But I, I like to consider all of this stuff because we just don't know. And I don't like to pretend, you know, that we do know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and like I said, it's fascinating to even think about, but there there's gotta be something to it. And right, you can go with the Jungian worldview that these are just right, we're seeing the same symbols over and over again because they're part they're archetypes and then they speak to everybody in a certain way. Well, I mean humans,
2: there's only so many shapes.
0: It, that could be a po- <laughs> that that could be a possible explanation that they're just these archetypes that are in Our psyche somewhere what's in there luke what's in that
2: there's there's a a a big cave that goes back uh you know a reasonable way but there was at some point there was a landslide in there so whatever goes back further is is blocked off i wouldn't be surprised if if this had like some kind of um you know cave entrance into you know an internal area because uh, the Inca were all about venerating that kind of stuff. There's an area at Sacsayhuaman where there's like a, a stone that's been turned over and it's supposedly blocking like an entrance to the underworld and there's, you know, the upside down stairs uh, on the stone. And you can't even go, you used to be able to buy a special ticket and go over there and I have footage of it. And this year when I went back, like you can't, like you can't go over there at all. Like there's just no reason. Like it's, it's a really interesting, like really large you know, like, monolith. Why can't you? But this, and Peru was like this a lot. Like I was at Machu Picchu and uh, there was so much stuff like that. You couldn't go and see this girl was like, I have FOMO. I have FOMO. Mm. <laughs> I didn't even know what FOMO was, but I, I she I was like, yeah, no. I, and uh, there is like the, the hitching, what they call the hitching post of the sun, which is one of these old monolithic solo pieces, which is on the peak of the highest part of like the, the village area and uh you can only go up there at like 9 a.m they don't tell you this so like you show up and you're like i'm gonna go up oh, no can't go you could have gone up if you came at 9 a.m you could go up like for 15 minutes we let people through mm. i'm like Why is it? well because you know it's just it's too much wear and tear and i'm like are you talking about the granite stone that you have roped off that no one can touch, that you can't even get within like five feet of, that has a wooden stairway built so you don't even have to walk on the fucking mountain. That's like, like none of the, oh yeah, the Inca were tired. They were, they were hasty. That's why they didn't finish like every fucking, re- I, I just get so tired of it.
0: Like, mm-hmm. and, and this would make sense that this could be a sacred site because right the representation of what caves yeah. are like the womb mother earth etc like they would go in and do their rights right or- yeah yeah uh,
2: a lot of them are some of them are like fertility uh, places mm-hmm. i was really lucky uh, this year um we stopped you know because there's a lot of areas that are like kind of part of the larger saxophone area but they're not in the, the main sort of site and one of those is the the Temple of the Moon, and that's been closed since 2013. I think they closed that. They just don't let people go in it anymore. And uh, so we showed up there and, um, you know, I made an offering and, you know, this is what I'm here for and went over there with uh, with the guy that I'd hired for a couple of days and he's like, dude, there's no security. You want to go in? And like all the other times I've been there, there's like three guys doing security there. I was like, "Yes, I want to go in." So we went in, and, and uh, it's incredible. You know that they have like the passageway going down into it. There's all these serpents, like carved, and there's the larger serpent going in, and the smaller serpent coming out. And there's a, uh, a jaguar, a puma, and, and you know, it's all. And then you go in there, and there is this crevice in the back, and underneath the crevice, there is this, you know, slab which is like this altar. And there's a, just a thin sliver of light that would come in from the moon, you know, on certain times of, you know, certain months. And it would, like, you know, light up this altar underneath and the, the women would do their fertility ceremonies there and hopefully, you know, become pregnant or whatever. Uh, and so, I, you know, I was able to go in there and take off my socks and shoes and, like, ground in. And that stone is so cold. It's like ice. It's really, uh, it's really really pretty intense so that was a very cool place to uh, to get into i was glad to, to go in there but all this stuff like these people sitting there in these areas of machu picchu you can't do that anymore you can't go like you can't see you can see the temple of the condor if you show up by tenant like none of this stuff is on there west so you go there and you have a, a well that's not in your circuit route but they don't really tell you what's in your circuit route that's really frustrating um that's the site that frustrated me most out of all of them because and it's the most uh Goon Squatty, you know, there's guys with whistles everywhere, you know, trying to tell you you're
0: looking at the wrong thing. Is that where this stone is? The, this this dial? That thing? is,
2: that, no, that is not at Machu Picchu. That's also in Peru and that is like further, further out in the, um, I believe that's further up up in the valley for that one idea. I haven't been to see that one. I've seen pictures of it, but I haven't been to see it yet.
0: So, this is freaking really fascinating. And do you feel anything at this particular? When you were at this area, did you feel and anything?
2: And I, I sat there. I meditated in front of both those gates. And I, as I've already said a couple times, I had a temperature of like one hundred and one, mm. and I, I taken like some pharmaceuticals just to just to try to power through the day. And like I felt nothing. I felt like spiritually, I felt absolutely fucking nothing. I was yeah. dead. I, I, did like ten minutes meditation in front of each of these. Um, as well as just like, you know, chilling at the site and like no- absolutely nothing, but like if you if you see like the there's floor,
0: that step right there on the left there you see that
2: yeah and there's there's one on the right you can almost see when we go around there like that the you know they've blown another gateway away but like even if you look at the mm. front the floor like in front of it you know you've got like the little Chicana, yeah uh, you know cut it was on each side like all of this is like. And notice, by the way, on either side of the door, like the two square boss knobs, which you find in in Egypt a lot, as well as out here. And they always tell you, "This is for lifting. This is for lifting the block." Okay, lift that, motherfucker. Get get <laughs> get your get your thing under that, and like lift that up, like so. Like some of these, some of these. Oh, it was unfinished, you know. Like it's always the same story. They can't they can't just say we don't really know. Because then you know you might you might start thinking about it for yourself. So I believe there's a puma head on there, and that there's a hole in the middle there that we just walked past. But I was curious about that because in Egypt a lot of the a lot of the cat heads had water, you know, coming out of there. They were like a Tefnut. Tefnut was the the lion headed goddess that was uh, the goddess of um, moisture, and her, you know she is Tefnut. She is the spittle of newt, the the, the mm. sky mother. So I was wondering if there's a a hole there that somehow like water came out of that but i don't know if that's what it was and those bastards, really
0: they blew up they they said the 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 spanish blew these up spanish did this yeah
2: and you know the on that weird bus ride i was telling you i had a tour guide who i thought this is going to be bad and i was the only english speaker on the bus everybody else spoke spanish so she had to do everything twice just for me and i thought oh this could be this could be uncomfortable and she started talking and i realized like she was trying to point out all the stuff that's wrong with the mainstream. And like, at certain points I was able to like say yes, because of like a B and C and she like, she literally started crying because nobody ever fucking listens to her. It was really weird. Um, and we were talking about, about some of these sites and uh, you know, she's like, all of these things are, are so much older you know then then the, in the inca admitted like these places were older than them but we can't you know she's an author i'll have to get you her name she she's written a couple books i had her had her sign one of them for
0: me there's the double indentation there yeah so
2: you know it's like it that that's not used for lifting anything up and you see those uh there's blocks at Ollantaytambo tambo that are really large that have those coming out oh they're unfinished like it's not unfinished Every, everything was unfinished, like according to them. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's bullshit. And Chosenlon.com
1: Go visit Chosenlon.com It's easy to remember If you just sing along Chosenlon.com Go visit Chosenlon.com The Chosen One Yes, he is the Chosen One He's got his own comic And now he's got his own song Cause he's the chosen one Yes he is the chosen one
2: Go buy a copy at Chosenone.com Chosenone.com Go visit Chosenone.com
3: It's easy to remember If you just sing along Chosenone.com Go visit Chosenone.com
2: You know, I have some footage of some stuff in Egypt that we can talk about, too, where you can actually show you how like the temples, the mortuary temples in front of the Great Pyramids have actually collapsed due to aging and they've been cemented back into position. And you don't notice because like the cement is a similar color. But when you actually go there and look at it, you can see that and there's still some that have fallen or in the position where like there was a granite facing to a couple of really huge limestone blocks and the granite has fallen and then the limestone block has fallen and you can actually see that like it's it's erosion that has made like these 120 ton blocks just come apart and like fall over and like there's no way that that just happened in just a couple thousand years but all this other stuff is still that mud brick wall is from 1500 bc it's still standing there fine, but this, which is only supposedly like 900 years older and is made out of fucking stone anchored with other stone around it, you know, that all just decayed due to time. Like the timeline is wrong. And it's in my opinion, and I'm not an expert on anything, but I feel very strongly that our historical timeline is wrong. And I'm not trying to take anything Mm -hmm. away from any of these cultures. I enjoy all of these cultures. I love being, you know, in the ruins of their civilizations and trying to, you know, to feel some of that, that energy, you know, I try to imagine that in some way they had a, a really deep connection to the planet and were wiser about the way that they did things, you know, and, and try to sort of find, you know, tap into that and find some, some kind of solace in it so that we're not just stuck in this, this mad
3: world.
0: And can you imagine, so right now, it's difficult for us with our modern day technology, right? Cars and mm. roads and everything to get to these places, right? Just to get there. Can you imagine being one of these indigenous groups once upon a time stumbling across? Like, look at this landscape. Like, look at yeah. this is where the what, what the main road hell
2: is. what? And what the hell is that building? Like, because they're finding stuff. And this is the thing about Egypt, like all the time, like at this ancient dynastic culture, was finding stuff. They're building incredible things, and they're actually doing, like, some of the world's first archaeology at the same time. It's like the Assyrian. They were building 71st first temple. All the temples, especially around that time, were a certain shape. They were almost, if, you, if you're if you into Swallowed or Lubich, already Swallowed or Lubish, they're like the temple of man. There's, like, the entrance columns, which like, the legs, and then there's a central body, and then there's, like, the sacred area, which is the head. Is sort of built and it's always a little bit skewed but that's like the way it's most of those temples are built and then you have the same area you have SETI temple but it's built like l-shaped and the reason is they started building the temple and then they discovered the Assyrian which was like 30 feet under like the level that they used to build that temple so
0: Whoa.
2: how old is that that you know you're just discovering yeah. that like you know, thousands of years ago, they're discovering this thing that they don't remember That's supposedly from their own civilization, you know, it's, so that stuff is happening all the time. There's, you know, stuff that a lot of this stuff, and it's even like the pyramids in Mexico. Like we don't actually know who built Teotihuacan. It wasn't the Aztecs. It wasn't the Mayans. You know, it was somebody before that they, you know, they've dated it. Like they said, Oh, it's not really that old, you know, maybe whatever it is, uh, 1500 years old, so I forget what they say now, but it's like modern, you know, current era.
0: And what so are you, we, don't, we
2: don't know who did that.
0: What are your thoughts on? Because, like, something that's always fascinated me is like this idea of. So, and I think it maybe has to do with like these Disney movies, like the the Atlantis movie, where it's like these lost civilizations. And the concept of finding which they are right. finding these entire complexes underneath the Amazon canopy, right? There's all these, and then there's that was it was that where the lost city of Z was supposed to right in the wasn't it the Amazon?
2: Yeah. yeah. And that that's based on a, a real story of a yeah. guy who, who thought he knew where this place was and he just you know, Great movie too, by the way. I've, I've seen there's, it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. There's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of stuff under there, and there's there's a lot of stuff still uh, in Egypt and other places in the world that we haven't even you know really really thought of yet. So uh, you know, I look forward to to more of it, you know, being discovered. It's just uh, you know, such a slow pace. Like one of the main complaints that uh, the Bolivians. Uh, archaeologists had was that like i was like the only thing that's changed since i was here eight years ago was there's more rope like you you, you have to stand further away you can't get into places mm-hmm. and he's like yeah they have to. he's like they haven't done anything They're, they won't even let us open the museums he's like there's money if you want to throw like a festival or have some kind of party or something like that and you want to link it culturally they'll give you money all day you want to do some excavation you want to open the museums there's no money and like i you know i find that disappointing it's it's hard to you know for, for and this is the point of the, the girl at, at uh one of the girls at machu picchu that was part of this discussion when i was i was giving the guy a very polite hard time about the bullshit of not only being you know too hasty to finish the original constructions but to this you know idea that they're they're closing the hitching post the sun because of like too high a foot traffic or something is just ridiculous like none of these reasons are are any good and you know i was giving giving him some grief about that because you know we have to like is that what they're telling you is that really what you you know you want to is this the one yeah so you know this is it's roped off it's at the top of a wooden stairway like you cannot touch it like, when I was there in 2015, you couldn't even lean over the rope enough to touch it. Like, it's far enough away. And, they, you know, they're telling you it's uh, inaccessible due to, like, degradation of, of the stone or whatever. So, build a, if it's the rain or something, build a hut over it or whatever. But, like, it's not humans. Like, we're not doing it because we're not allowed to. Uh, but anyway, she was like, well, if you've seen it before, like, why are you bitching? And I'm like, I'm bitching because you haven't seen it. And you you didn't even know it was up there. It was just closed. You came six thousand miles. Now you're gonna go home. And you didn't even know that there was this thing up there that you could have seen. <laughs> She's like, Oh. I'm like, y- y- like it's not me. Like I'm angry. I can't take a photo. I'm like, why are we not like sharing the why, what's the reasons are just bullshit? I get really tired of bullshit reasons. Like yeah, the anti Watana. So, and that's, that's the thing you get in, in Peru, you know, and Bolivia now too, you get the, the blue rope disease, like everything's, yeah. everything's covered in blue ropes and stuff. At saxe used to be able to walk through all these little areas with these upside down staircases cut into stuff and it's all roped off. And,
0: and I mean, I kind of, I kind of agree with like the whole. Wanting to conserve it because some some people some people are garbage, man. Some people want like some
2: people are garbage. They carve their names
0: in it. And I, yeah, I, I like, I would like, would
2: like like to, I would like to see people get serious, you know, penalties for that kind of stuff. I don't I don't like it.
0: Like the like sure. the whole blowing up of that those gates, almost like like you know why? Well, what was the point? You know, like were you mm-hmm. or maybe they knew something that that we didn't know, right? And they were trying to deactivate something like, who knows? Like all these concepts. A
2: lot of that stuff, you know, comes from, you know, uh, fanatical Catholicism. And then like this sort of fear of the devil. And mm-hmm. you know, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't just like the monuments and the buildings. It was mm-hmm. their entire history. They, they gathered the entire written history of like multiple cultures and just fucking burned it all. And we have like three or four codexes left. And, and that's it. And like a couple of writings of, you know, like, Franciscan monks who like, decided to try to record some of like the local legends. And in fact, that the, the, um, the, uh, the author who was like the guide on the bus trip that I took inadvertently, um, she was saying, she said, like, it's really hard. There were a couple of Spanish people on the bus. And she's like, I fucking hate Spanish people. She's like, it's really, really hard for me to do tours for them. She goes, I know it wasn't them. I know they didn't do anything. I know they're here and they're spending their tourist dollars here or money here. But like, I fucking hate the Spanish for what they did to my country. And like, I, I completely understand. Like, it, they just absolutely raped South America.
0: Absolutely. You can't blame it on the modern people, though. I mean, it's <laughs> no, like. you can't. You know, it's like getting mad. At somebody like, oh, your your great 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 grandfather owned slaves. Like,
2: yeah, I, I don't know. Like, you know if what I mean? Spain ever made reparations or or anything like that? But you know, they looted the country. They took all, yeah. all the gold and silver into mean, the to the, victor,
0: to the victor to the victor the spoils. Right? I mean, that, that's what it's yeah. always been about. And but yeah, but I agree as far as like conserving things. So later generations can see this cuz i i do think it's important to know about these areas but then there's also how much more how much more is there to be discovered right how like yeah. how you're saying there's like 80 what well, egypt is 80% or 85% still under
2: yeah like 15% is what archaeologists are telling me like 15% of egypt has been excavated and that wow. includes like the giza plateau And there's so much stuff there like walking around Saqqara which is a really interesting site and has so many layers from so many different you know dynasties and ages how many dynasties were there there
0: in in Egypt
2: um I couldn't tell you exactly like I think Netanyahu was like 30 and then I think after there like it kind of falls off but like that isn't accurate because like one wasn't the first, there was zero dynasty. And then they figured out there was another one. So there's like a zero, zero dynasty. Oh, and wow! I couldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly yeah. like how many, how many there are, but like, it's, it's a really long civilization. And, and like, you know, Cleopatra, you know, it was like the, the Greco Roman era, obviously Cleopatra was actually Greek. Um, but she, you know, they conquered the, the Romans had conquered Egypt and she, you know sort of became fair whatever he is closer to our time than even the supposed building of the pyramids if they were built when we say like you know it's such like an ancient ancient land um and i you know i mean sumeria and babylon is the same i I really would because it's you know iran and iraq like i can't i can't go and you know poke around Mm -hmm. uh which i would would love to do but
0: You've never been to like Mesopotamia or any of those places over there? No. Yikes. And can you mm-hmm. can you tell us a little bit about the, so at the very beginning you mentioned the Sky family and like mm-hmm. the Sky brothers and I know. Well, so
2: the, by the way, this is, you were saying, you know, what was the purpose of a lot of these sites? And I will say that most of the really truly ancient sites are, are aligned. They're aligned with the stars. They're like mm-hmm. uh, equinoctial markers, you know, um, for, uh, you know, the seasons, time of the year predictions of, of seasons and stuff. And in fact, in Peru, there are some of the knobs, some of the small rounded, more rounded knobs on faces, stone faces that have been, you know, purpose, purposely smooth, which you see at quite a few sites. The biggest, one of the biggest ones is at Oriente Tambo. Um, these have like, these little and they're like maybe the size of my fist but like round they're not they're not huge and on the equinox and the solstice um you know at a certain part of the day those cast shadows onto uh the walls which make you know certain symbols and or like faces um and i've seen a lot of the photographs in in books and like it's 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 pretty legitimate the question is you know who who was doing it was it was it the Inca? Was it somebody older than the Inca? But like the, the thing we just looked at, in Huaca, the, the one gateway that used to have the panther head on it that was destroyed. There's um, a water feature at Tambo that has a very similar design to it that's clearly the same sort of style as the temple on the top of the hill, but like none of the Inca shit. And so, you know, you, it's just everywhere. There's clearly... There's a guy called Jesus Gamara Farfan. He usually just goes by Jesus Gamara. And he and a Dutch guy, I think uh, Peter or Jan de Jong, uh, they created a documentary, I think it's called The Cosmology of Three Worlds. And he's very clear that there are, you know, three or four different cultures, um, you know, that are represented in the stonework. And it starts with like what we were looking at, the, 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 uh Antihukana at the you know hitching post of the sun, those type of monolithic sim, you know, single kind of stones with the weird carvings and stuff in them, that's the first civilization. This was discovered by the second civilization who venerated that and built these like cellular, you know, moldy walls around, you know, those special sites. And Machu Picchu is all about that. Like the cellular, flowy work is all around these ancient monolithic stones, you know, that had some other purpose. And then around like the cellular stuff is all the Inca stuff. So there's like, you know, whoever was doing the monolithic stuff, whoever was doing the cellular stuff, and then the Inca. And like, you know, uh, Jesus Kumar, his father was an archeologist who agreed that the stuff was a lot older. And, you know, he's very clear that these were very separate cultures. If you push the South Americans enough, like the, you know, the academics, they will admit that it wasn't the Inca. They will say that it was a tribe called the Kilke. And the Kilke were like stone specialists who also apparently were stone specialists that could never fucking finish anything because nothing's finished, right? (laughs) So eventually... Right. They got tired of the Kilke or they decided they were done with them and they they just wiped them out. But they learned some of the stonework from them. So some of the stonework got better after that. So that some of the academics say that some of the academics say it was all the Inca. And then, you know, there's the Pyramidiots. We're Pyramidiots because we're like, this is left over from another culture. And I was up there with an author um, who actually did a lot of the research that showed like those shapes cast on the walls. And he's correct about that. I hired him as a guide for a tour because, you know, I thought we'd have some good discussion. Well, tell me, you know, you're the Inca expert. Tell me how they did this. What was the technique? Oh, they used every technique. Awesome. There were multiple techniques. Break them down. Like, I want to hear him. What are the techniques? Oh, well, if you don't believe the Inca did it, then you believe in Atlantis and you believe in aliens. I'm like, no, I'm asking you, you know, you know that the Inca did this. Show me. And he's like, okay, you see this block over here? It's on top of smaller blocks. Therefore, the Inca moved the big block onto the small block. That was that was his entire explanation for his proof of how the Inca did everything.
0: The guy's an expert. He's an author. He's a tour guide. And and that civilization that you said that the the ones that Malcu
2: were Aravalo. That's his name.
0: The civilization Sorry. that was good at not finishing were they just like a nomadic the group that showed kid. up, or it
2: was just like another. You know, another tribe or another group of people, there were lots of different, you know, sort of indigenous peoples, you know, that, well, it was the Tiwanaku culture and then the Chavin culture and all these other cultures. That, like the Inca supposedly came through Tiwanaku and went, wow, this is cool. Can we hang out? And the Tiwanaku people were like, no, you know, keep on moving. So they went south, but they remembered the incredible structures that
3: were built at Pumapunku
2: <laughs> and they came down and they built these down like the Kari and all this kind of stuff. One of the things that they always tell you is that like, uh, Cusco is built in the shape of a panther and they have all these, you know, kind of show. this is the head. Socksy Roman is the and this is the tail and this is, you know, and they, they mm-hmm. show you on the map. Mm-hmm. The, the tour guide author lady who I was talking to, she's like, that's not a fucking, uh, panther. She's like, or a puma, she's like, that is like a Komodo dragon. And she like broke it all down. It's really, it's just super fascinating. So, like, uh, you know, there's, a, and there was a lot of stuff under Cuzco that was going on. All of these things were connected. And uh, the actually, the Peruvian government like demoed a bunch of the tunnels 20, 30 years ago or something, because some people got lost and died. Like, five people came in, went in, and only one person came out. And They're like too dangerous, supposedly. And they went and just like demoed all of these tunnels that led, like, from Saxoamon to the Coricancha, you know, to wherever. So, and they're constantly like, they're fixing roads out there. And then, oh, here's like another part of an ancient structure, you know, here's a massive disk.
0: The, so we're, we're on the Sorry, topic.
2: I I totally just started on a rant there,
0: I apologize. No, you're good. We're we're talking about Peru, and it's interesting because there's this there's this book called the. It's called the Mysteries of the Great Cross of Hende. Mm -hmm. By Jay Widener and Vincent Bridges, and they supposedly had decoded. There's this this cross that has these carvings on it. And supposedly it was, has to do with this secret that folk, the great alchemist Folcanelli has to do with and how they were trying to encode into it, a location where you can go to survive the next coming great catastrophe. like this Mm -hmm. next thing that's coming. And they deciphered it and they found that it leads to this cave in peru this this i'm trying to find the i'm trying to go through the book now but you yeah, have here the that, mm. that thing that we saw earlier right or yes. a and that's not
2: no 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 that's that is not where a that is
0: um raymondi The
2: raymondi stone there's two there's a the tello stone and the raymondi stone and the and the land Zone are the three major things up there and I have a story about this which isn't my story to tell so I probably shouldn't tell it but uh but this is another interesting uh entity too for sure
0: The mysterious Stella found in the Peruvian highlands and dating at least
2: right and, it depicts they say it's a Viracocha type oh, shaman Oh,
0: Viracocha type shaman okay 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 But if
2: yeah if you if you showed that to the Tiwanaku shaman he would absolutely shit himself like he would be like this is not Tiwanaku this came maybe they they tried to copy Tiwanaku there's still like a, you know, a bit of a, a measuring contest between the ancient, ancient, you know, civilization, their religions and histories. interesting.
0: The cross, uh, Urk, Urkos. Have you ever seen this?
2: No, I've never heard it, you know, and to be honest, I I ignore a lot of the Christian stuff because I consider it so late to the party. Actually, I feel the same about, you know, Judaism and, uh, Islam It's all late to the party like the older civilizations i'm much more interested in what they were doing like spiritually
0: and this is what you were talking about right in the shape of they said this is in the shape of a a jaguar
2: yeah yeah Yeah, they say it's like a in the shape of puma and it's like the seven there's like the seven rivers and the seven streets which they've made like that that come through in certain ways you know it's all it's all supposedly symbolic
0: trying to find the location because they they say in it because i read this book a little bit ago but they they point to this cave in peru somewhere Mm -hmm. and supposedly that's where where they're talking to see here they have to figure everything out and or at least the cusco and this cave
2: and like so what those mean too like Antisuyu and like back in that man it's like that's like caliasuyu is like the east you know, like that's actually kind of what these like. I had a guy explain all that stuff to me one time in, in Cusco.
0: The navel of the world divided at Cusco, the navel of the world. And if Cusco is the navel of the world, then Coricancha, the great temple of the sun, was the navel of Cusco, built at the confluence mm-hmm. of the Cusco's two rivers. It's the center of enormous ceremonial calendar aligned based on the sidereal lunar year of 328 days. The key alignment was based on the winter solstice, sunrise, the Sapa Inca, and the archetypal man or the king would have been seated in a niche lined with gold and precious stones. As the rising solstice sun struck the niche, the Inca would have been bathed in the shimmering golden aura, making him truly the son of sun. Interesting. There's definitely something magical yeah, about this like, place. Like
2: Inti, Inti is there is what they say is the word for sun. Actually, T is is the word for sun. But so like anything that where it's like the Inti something, it's a sun sun related.
0: All right, the, Sa- the Sapa Inca, the unique man in the form of the king, <laughs> begins to look a lot like Adam Codman, the cosmic man of the Kabbalists, formed from the intersection of these trees. The Adam Codman, a series of meditative and magical exercises developed. From the idea of the tree of life as it extends to the world, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The way of Eracocha could be the secret of astral alchemy itself in a form lost to the West after Egypt's decline, a way to tap into the into this current of sentience that theoretically at least embraces mind mm-hmm. everywhere in the universe. That's like kind of what you were talking about earlier, where like yeah. it's like it elevates you, your elevates your consciousness when you're in these places, and maybe like I said maybe it happens a certain time of year, certain time of day, certain yeah. time of whatever, right? Every every 7 but, years or something like that.
2: Well, we have to, you know, we have to bear in mind too that we don't actually really know what consciousness is and we don't really know where it resides. Like we tend to think it's inside our heads, but I I think, you know, consciousness is a field. I think it's I think it's a local field and I think that's actually what we all are is we're like local consciousness fields that are like inside you know material but i, I think this is like you know why people have near-death experiences mm-hmm. uh, you know where, they, where they're dead on an operating table for like 10 minutes but they they remember like looking at everybody operating on they remember things people said while they were dead you know then they come back to life and they're like oh you and they're like well, you shouldn't have done and this is like a ton of those stories and i think it's because like your consciousness isn't within you. Like your consciousness is like in this field, like around you. We don't really understand, you know, any of that stuff. And I saw like, you know, that like that guy Deepak Chopra and, and these those guys like to say a lot of like really nice sounding stuff. And he said something like, you know, the universe is made out of this magic mystery called consciousness. And then the physicist Brian Cox chimed chimed in with, No, it isn't. It's made of quarks and leptons or something. And I... And I just like, I really like Brian Cox. He's a, seems like a lovely chap and he's very smart, but like, how do we know? How do we, how do we know what consciousness is? How does he know? How can he not say? Cause we don't even know what consciousness is mm-hmm. like, and like, just because like we can get down, we can see a quark or a left heart or whatever. I'm not a physicist. I don't know. But like, that's just as far as we can see now just like we can only see a certain way out or back, you know, in time, whatever. It's just like, that's as far as we can see now. Like we don't understand. I, I'm of the personal belief that it's infinite. I think it goes all the way down and I think it goes all the way out. Like, I think that's just, I think that's what this is. Like it's, it's beyond, it's really kind of beyond comprehension. I, I appreciate that we're trying, but it's uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. He goes on here to say about this cathedral, I believe this, mm. this is the one. that's was
2: built with a lot of stone from a lot of monuments, and it's built on top of, I think, an old temple of Wiracocha, if I remember correctly.
0: So he says here, the Cathedral of Santo Domingo in Cusco is a decrepit and dark place. The magnificent building, the corin cancha, that is, this cathedral replaced can only be imagined now. In addition to the gold, plates on its walls and there's like these gold plates on its walls pictures of it goes here stories say that a huge circular object of pure gold called the disk of the sun sat in its center this this was said to represent the central sun of the cosmos and was many inches thick covered with precious jewels it is said Mm -hmm. that when it reflected the light of the sun it transformed it the Incas believe that the light became so pure that the people in the temple, particularly the Inca himself, seated in his golden niche, were physically transformed. Mm. The original Incan temple was much larger than the cathedral that occupies the present spot. So they built it. You said that they built it on top of of a sacred I think, site. I
2: think I think that's built on. Yeah, it's built on top of an older site with stone used. You know, yeah, broken up and and then wow. you know from from older sites. It's very common. It's
0: very, very common. The, it says here, the Temple of the Sun was connected to the Temple of the Moon and the complex of Sasquahawman by a series yeah. of underground tunnels.
2: Tunnels, which they demoed. After point.
0: the conquest, Pizarro heard rumors from the remaining Incas that there were vast subterranean tunnels under the Andes. He had heard from the Indians that these tunnels were filled with golden jewels hidden by the Atahualpa's Queen. The Inca Queen had successfully hidden all the tunnel openings from the Spanish. Mm. whoa yeah i read this book a while ago but it's packed with so much information that it's, it's a it's
2: a fascinating it's a fascinating yes. history you know and, and the inca were in many ways they were an amazing culture it's i'm not trying to steal like a monument in a building skill from them
3: mm-hmm.
2: they were they were an amazing absolutely amazing uh very clean cult you know they had like no crime they didn't have locks on doors they were you know a very community oriented uh you know culture and they, they, agriculturally they were amazing you know they created all this stuff like all of those you know sort of terraces and you know tiered farming that would allow you to grow crops that you would need to otherwise be in a, like a different weather zone for like you know they were they were smart they had a they had a great culture
0: so he goes here, the cross at Hende, which is over 3,000 miles and an ocean away, points to a cave in Cusco, Peru. Once the trek is made and enough questions are asked of the local que- que- Chua, que- Quechua. Quechua population, Quechua. this fabulous and forgotten site becomes more interesting. One has to wonder if the caves are not a homage or a tribute to the people who use them to survive the great catastrophe. catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Are they the ones who built the gigantic tunnel system that allegedly runs under the Andes? It goes here. One thing is for sure that caves of Cusco referred to in this inscription on the Hendai Cross do to exist. It is also true that these same caves are held sacred by local remnants of Inca by Incas by virtue of the large piles of melted ceremonial candle wax that are found everywhere inside the caves. So he's talking about again, like how you were saying that th- these places are places of pil- pilgrimage, right? They worship. Mm-hmm. They, they worship and do offerings at these places. And there could be more. To there's a reason, maybe, why they worship them. They could have been because they were yeah. part of this right surviving of the catastrophe. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I'll send you those. Hey, you know. Yeah, it's
2: cool. I'm interested. I'm always interested. Right here, so. I don't know By you... the way, that that uh, that Bigfoot sign you have behind you there—that on—I've on the, actually <laughs> seen, I've actually seen that, like as an actual road sign, like that. Pretty much, I have a photo of it somewhere in Indonesia on the way to Gunung Padang, <laughs> and I'm like, do you guys, do you guys have like big feet? Like, you got a Bigfoot out here? Is there a legend of like the Gunung Padang oh, a Yeti? No, they're like it's supposed to be a person. Like <laughs> it's like a "Don't walk across the street here" sign, yeah. but it, it always it always looks like a like a Bigfoot. It's fucking hilarious.
0: And I wanted to riff on the whole Sky family, Sky brothers type of thing because mm-hmm. I I originally wanted to talk about the Mexican mummies, but I find this other stuff a lot more interesting. <laughs> but you know the the mummies. mummies.
2: Well, the mummies are interesting. I'm always interested to see what they are. I just, you know, I, I don't like the... There's always there's always fuckery on one side or another. You know, either the mainstream or you, know, or, 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 you know, trying to distort something and make it not something or people are doing this kind of stuff and not letting people really examine it <laughs> because they want to, like, milk the... There's some great shit, like, about this that's out there. Like, the people who made a cake out of that i don't know if you yeah, saw that you... this uh it's been some fun definitely people have had fun with it
0: it was up here somewhere the they cut into it right here yes yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> but you've had some interesting I've been, stories I've been, I've
2: been keto i've been like keto for a month so i would i would lay waste <laughs> i would lay waste to that mummy cake right now
0: you've had some interesting stories in regards to Right entities. I know you came across one. I, meant, I think I mentioned at the beginning where he told you, like, shh, you know, or you can't go in there because they're the the whoever is still sleeping in there. They're not. They're not mummified or they're they're just resting. No, that
2: wasn't that wasn't uh, that wasn't an entity. He told me that was my my Aymara Quechua friend, and and she had told me back in 2015 uh, that they initially they'd gone inside like the Actana. Um some way inside it, and then they stopped all excavation and like never restarted it
3: like
0: and it's never been restarted. what's the it's site left.
2: uh it's it's at Tiwanaku it's the the pyramid there, which is called the the Akpana a k p a n a there's the Akpana, and then there's like the, the Kalasasaya. And the Akpana uh, i believe is the the remnants of the 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 pyramid or the temple uh structure and if if you go around the back of it, there's some more some larger um, you know more interesting blocks but um, her or maybe I have't backwards maybe maybe that's the akapana and the Kaliasaaya is the pyramid I forget mm. anyway um, one of the what two. she was telling yeah what she was telling me is that they when they went in there uh, like shortly afterwards they came out and they never resumed. Uh, excavation and uh, all around, like the Kausaia too, there are all these areas where they had found tunnels, and I actually saw the entrance to one this last time I was there that I hadn't seen last time. And all of, they filled all of that stuff back in, except for a couple of entrances which are which are locked and nobody's nobody's gone back in in decades. Like I think it's like decades now. Uh, certainly, no one's been in there in the last eight years, like since I've I've been there, according to you know the current archaeologists who are in charge of the site. So and and so my my Ketchua Aymara friend's story that she had heard was that, you know, they didn't go back in there because, you know, it the pyramids still occupied the ascended masters who were supposedly who were supposedly like cyclops. That's the other interesting part of that is that they're supposed to be uh cyclops and they're literally yeah, they act on it. So they're literally like um you know, hibernating until, until, you know, the moment, whatever that that is. So like, I, you know, I can't, I can't say say it's not true. I I don't know how large, I have no idea how large they are. The interesting thing about the Cyclops reference is that that's like a, a South American Cyclops reference that goes back, you know, quite a ways in the indigenous history, apparently. And yet the Cyclops is like a Mediterranean creature and, if you look at, like, the Greek histories, the Greek, like, there's the, the wall of Mycenae and the, 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 you know, the gate of uh, that's there. And they have these old, um, like, the jigsaw-style walls where there's no mortar, but it's all fit together, you know, like Tetris again. There's a couple of places, the really old structures in Greece that are, are like that. And when the Romans conquered Greece, the Romans were like, bro, that's impressive stonework. You know, who did that? When did you do that? And they oh, we didn't do that. The Cyclops did that. So that was what the Greeks told the Romans. The Romans wrote that down, whether the Greeks were pulling the Romans' legs, like I don't know. But that was <laughs> that's like their mythology. So I was it was interesting to me on the level of going to South America and hearing an indigenous history about, you know, these structures that are built differently than most everything else. And you know, the occupants are supposedly, you know, a cyclops. So that's that's the story I heard. Like, I, I can't get in there. There's no there's no way I could verify any of that. Maybe maybe I could get in there if I showed up with a suitcase full of like, you know, cash. I don't know. Give it a shot. Just start a GoFundMe. <laughs> the Cyclops uh, GoFundMe.
0: <laughs> I'm sure people would would fund that. I mean, because <clears throat> part of this, so. Explain this to me because is because I've seen some pictures. Part of this it says subterranean. Man. So was it covered completely, almost like maybe a mud flood? Or okay.
2: so yeah. So what what we're seeing here is like the this pink one on on the right. So if you've seen that the pyramid I'm talking about that is partially deconstructed is this Acapana.
0: right? The, this one here.
2: Yes, that one there, and then what you have here uh, down to the the right of that number three. Uh, no, no, not there. Uh, number what Two? is it? Four. Number four.
0: Oh, this one here. Right.
2: So this is the central area that has uh, that statue uh, in the middle. There's another mm-hmm. statue in the top top left, and that has the uh, gate of the sun, like okay. at the other end of that. Like that's what that Lego block is supposed to be. I think. Yes, that thing. And then what you have down here, number three, what they call the subterranean uh, temple, is um, if you've ever seen... It has one monolith in the middle. And then if you've ever seen... uh, I have photos. It's got all these... And video. It's got all these faces in the wall that are mounted to the wall, almost like the nail heads at Chabin. And they they all seem to represent... um, different races and some people say some of them look like like aliens like one of them kind of looks like it's got you know oval eyes So like you see there the faces on the wall so mm. that's that it goes down it's set down in the earth uh a little bit you know probably 10 or 15 feet the, the picture underneath that um where it says tiwanaku tiwanaku that area down there there's an entrance into the pyramid down under there that's like the deepest most megalithic part of the of the pyramid, the, those blocks and what's going on down there. If you go back to the pink diagram for a second, you'll see over where it has like the north, it has the compass point on the right. You see where it says north? Yeah. that Underneath that, that is like one of the underground tunnel entrances. Do you see just underneath that to your right a little? Just this below thing that? Yeah, that thing right there. It's actually on it. That is like an underground tunnel entrance. What? And there, There's more of them. Um, some of them are actually like built into like, you know, the pyramid. Have
0: you been to those tunnels or you're not allowed to go down? There? I
2: can't, I'm not, I was not allowed to go in them. I like walked right up to it. I walked all around it with the camera. I tried to shine my flashlight in. I
0: was not allowed to go inside. Cause essentially they would have been the ones that built those tunnels too. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows? Like, I, I don't know what the stone <laughs> structure looks like. Like if you look at, you see number five where it says uh platoonie. Number yeah. five is mostly destroyed. Almost all of that and the Caracalla behind that, almost all of that is destroyed. But some of the the wall around the Batuni that's facing the Calasasaya has interlocking blocks that are, uh, you know, a similar style to what you find in, in Cusco and some of the, you know, Inca buildings. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> there's all, you know, different cultures, supposedly totally different cultures but they're using like the same style and it's all supposed to be like one or the other.
3: Yeah.
0: You
2: know, it's like, it's just not right. It's just not right. And it, the, the, the Akapana there, like um, it's the diagram doesn't show it so well, but the picture to the left of it kind of shows how like it's, a, there's a lot of hillside there and there's mm. literally just giant blocks that weigh like 50 tons, just sticking out of that, that just haven't been moved, haven't, haven't been put somewhere. Um, this area, like under, like um,
0: fifty tons. That's wild.
2: This area, like under number five, and under like the Kalasasaya, there are, or actually between the Kalasasaya and the Akpana, there's um tunnels under there that have been been refilled in. And you can see in the background, that's where Pumfunku was. It's really close. It's like not, it's not far. You can walk there in like fifteen minutes. And these oh. sites are aligned between like three mountains, so they have like you know these mountain ranges in the diff distance so they're like aligning these sites between Mm -hmm. like these three uh peaks like the big the big mountains because they believed like the apus the spirits are in the in the mountains in the river in the land they're like the energy in south america is very intense people the indigenous people are still very connected to the land they're still very connected to the elements like it feels so legitimate like in a way that like we we don't feel that anymore you know we're not we're not connected really
0: yeah i really wish i would have been able to go with you bro but obviously having a family and responsibilities and stuff like that but it's
2: it's tough it's tough and i had i had a really tough time uh this time myself it was it was really physically stressful um you know of course it's a huge financial incursion doing all this stuff trying to get you know permissions trying Mm -hmm. to pay people to go with you and this stuff it gets expensive, but uh, honestly, like I got home from from that trip, and uh, I, I I didn't get out of bed for weeks, man. I, I like, remember, I make, bro. I, I could make it to the couch, like I couldn't have a conversation. I was just, I was so spent. And usually, like I get about four weeks into stuff, and that's when I start burning out. Now this was like a full seven and a half weeks, lot of travel, you know, and it, it just I am getting older, and it just absolutely ruined me. I am still getting over it.
0: Yeah, I remember hitting you up, and you were just like, "Yeah, hit me up in a couple of weeks." Yeah, I did
2: not, I did not have the energy to talk about anything. It wouldn't have been a good, good, energetic vibe.
0: But imagine it's the
2: same same thing for like tours. Like, I'm not doing any more tours. I was only doing tours because like I wanted to see these special places. And it's if you find like-minded people who want to split the cost with you, you can actually get into some of these places that are generally closed you know and Mm -hmm. so that's what that was all about now i would like to at some point bring yusuf to south america and do like a you know 10 day tour with him and a group of people just looking at all that stuff from like an egyptian point of view with yusuf i'd be willing to do a tour doing that but like i'm done otherwise like i'm i wasn't ever trying to you know make a what make a business or you know
0: whatever there's so many people now nowadays doing it too those yeah. And I, th- it's,
2: and I think, you know, it's hard to find people. It's a, it's a tough time financially for a lot of people, you know, unless you're, unless you're, you're totally set. So I've noticed like a lot of the people who started trying to do the same kind of tours, they had to end up kind of merging their tours with a bunch of other YouTube channels, you know, just to, mm. just to get enough people to to go out there and it's a lot of it's a lot of work and and I also like I'm actually really looking forward to being able to, in a couple of years, go back to some of these sites like without my equipment, without any of the you know the stress of like you know the project because. It's also, like, it interferes with the energy, too. I'm constantly, oh, I need to get this footage. I need to get this. Oh, why isn't the camera working properly? Oh, I got to, you know, this. Oh, I need to, you know, I've got to frame this. Oh, I didn't get that. Or maybe I need to make sure I got that. Let's do it again. Like, all of that stuff interferes with your, um, you know, your ability to absorb the energy of the site, like, feel the connection, Mm -hmm. like, just. So I'm really looking forward to not having to do any of that. That stuff, either.
0: But imagine going into these tunnels, Luke, and maybe perhaps stumbling across some cyclops ascended master thing just laying there, like some reminds me of the movie Prometheus, Aliens. Prometheus, have you seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. And like some sort of like temple, like with the freaking face right in the center of it. Can you imagine that, bro?
2: Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's that's sort of the fantasy, I think that's what everybody Indiana kinda,
0: Jones, yeah,
2: everybody kind of like I get that a lot, so oh, you, you know, what do you do? Oh, well, I've been doing this, this is the project I'm working, oh, it's like Indiana Jones, I'm like, no, that guy kind of went to a bunch of sites where there was nothing going on and and like he looted them and like sold his shit to a museum, and it was a <laughs> cool story, but and he got to actually you know go in places and, and, you know, shoot people. And and I don't, like, I I don't discover anything. Every place I've been, like, has pretty much been discovered by somebody else. And I'm pretty much just either paying, like, official bribes, like the special permissions in Egypt, or I'm paying, like, local bribes, you know, to be allowed to just... You know, they do restrict you because a lot of people, like you said, do stupid things. So they don't want you doing this. They don't want you going there. And, like, sometimes if they understand that, like, you're there for you know, a legitimate purpose, at least to yourself, and you're not there to, you know, touch anything or break anything or, you know, whatever. Sometimes they'll actually be cool with you, you know, and let you let you do stuff. I've been very, very lucky to go to a lot of places that people don't generally get to go into, but I'm not I'm not discovering you know, I'm not discovering them.
0: Yeah, can you imagine? Do you think that they'd let you like be, Yeah, it'd be awesome. You think they'd let you lick the monolith, bro? Like <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, it's hard to, to get to. You know, when I went to Semipata in Bolivia, I've been wanting to go there for seven or eight years since I found out about this. It was actually, Brian Forster who told me about the site, and he told me a lot of shit that just wasn't wasn't true, unfortunately. But I, I it got me interested in the site, and um, so I I, uh, I was very interested to go there, and I was really disappointed that like they had roped so much. You used to be able to just walk all over that thing, and now you know, it's, you You can't get within a certain distance of it but like at the top you can get close enough to the monolith to you know, to touch it and that's what I was saying like I couldn't believe like how warm that thing was, you know, it was like a really warm <laughs> warm stone I have to, like I just, I'm into touching stone like I had to go somewhere and I have to see like how this stone feels it's, it's, it's like it's my archaeology fetish I guess
0: that's what I'm saying, I'm freaking like it's like bro, I'll give you fifty bucks if you just let me, just
2: let just let me touch this this. Just let me obelisk. lick it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, there's definitely. Uh, I've actually I did lick some halite uh, <laughs> under the step pyramid because it's it's like a rock salt. So I was like, is it really a rock salt? Oh, it is kind of salty.
0: In in your opinion, because you you mentioned you go to places that have already been discovered, or you know, there's some history <laughs> behind it. Yeah. Do you feel that there's the possibility there still could be sites like this uh, of this magnitude that haven't oh, yeah. been tapped yet oh, like yeah. around the world oh yeah
2: oh yeah i think around the world absolutely but like egypt
3: you
0: know uh
2: ecuador peru bolivia brazil like i think i mean there's stuff every like uh i think um i think it might have been sarah Parsac in five or six years ago they were doing like that satellite archaeology where they were taking you know Scans from space and identifying, like you know, ruins, like you know, man-made shit out in the, the wilderness. Mm-hmm. And I think they they tentatively identified like seventeen pyramids in Egypt, which were you know, like undiscovered. What? Of course, yeah, and of course, all the mainstream archaeologists like threw all their fucking toys out of the pram about we're we've been working here. I know there's stuff under there. We're getting around to it. You didn't discover anything, like really, like there is an agenda against. Sarah, I think her name's Parsec, maybe it's Par Parchak, I don't know. Anyway, and when I was at Tannis, which speaking of Indiana Jones, is like where the Well of Souls was located, uh, <clears throat> there was a, he was a, there was an archaeologist there who was right, he might have been German, uh, who was running the the current excavation there, and I interviewed him for about 20 minutes, and 10 of it is him just slinging shit at Sarah Parsac for daring to take you know, satellite photographs of sites and claim that she discovered something. How dare she? I know there's stuff over there. I've got to excavate this first. So that's, you know, there's always like nobody's ever excited. This was the, I think the first thing I learned about archaeology is that the mainstream is never excited to welcome a new discovery or a new idea or a new thought. Like they will come out and beat you down. Like over and over again, and then if you're right, eventually they're like, "Oh, he was right," but they ruined your career and somebody else's career, and you know, whatever. It's always it's always a really hard battle. It's like the guy who discovered the bones in uh, like that cave.
0: Oh yeah, you saw that? Did you watch that documentary? It's yeah, and
2: like I, I mean, I knew about that guy years and years ago. That this guy he had identified like these tool marks in an animal like graveyard that like showed that humans were butchering animals like 60,000 years ago, but like we're stuck. We were really stuck on the idea, you know, that like humans only got here 13,000 years ago and that's it. And there was not, there's like a 2011 study from the university of like, uh, what is it? Like uh, Savannah, Georgia, where they, they found in like the riverbanks, they found remains of like food fires, like fires made for cooking food that are 50,000 years old. So like how long have people actually been in the Americas? They've been here a really long time. And if you look at um, the, um, which tribe is it? There's a Native American tribe. It's the Zuni. If you look at some of the Zuni artwork, it's like full of like step pyramids, like full of step pyramids. And so, like, you look at all these places like Cahokia and, you know, all these places that, you know, oh, there's a mound here, there's a mound there. How many of those mounds were actually, like, 40,000-year-old step pyramids or something? Like, I just Mm -hmm. don't feel – I don't feel like any of that stuff is ever taken. It's always poo-pooed until, like, they can't fight it any longer. There's never any kind of willingness to go, well, hey, like, we don't think so, but, like, let's go find out. I don't know. it's we're just old we're you know we're like as humans we're like 300,000 years old maybe in this form right so you know did we only just figure out stuff 6,000 years ago and we didn't figure out how to record anything or do anything all that time beforehand we were just like you know throwing rocks at the sun and picking figs like is that really what we like you know what we're like like what if we've been over like the last 30 years we're not We don't just want a TV. We want a color TV. We don't Mm -hmm. just want a color TV. We want like a QLED TV with like seven hundred chan. Like it's never. It never stops. There's no way we went hundreds of thousands of years
0: without doing anything. Well, the there's this documentary that just came out on Netflix called I think the I don't know this one you're talking about the Cave of Bones I believe it's what it's called. Mm, Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they found this new Homo, I guess Homo sapien like subspecies, I guess, the the Nylidia or something or other like
2: that. Yeah, Homo Nylidian. If they're small, like Floreanciensis. Yeah, they're
0: real small, but I think they date back like 300-something thousand years, and they showed evidences of of fire.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's my personal opinion that sapiens, us, that we learned tools and fire from other races, particularly like Cro-Magnons and Neanderthals. The Neanderthals in particular had a, a type of spear tip making technique which is far superior to the spear tips that early sapiens made and they they, you know our anthropologists consider that because the design of these spear tips was like so uh, counterintuitive they're like this method must be taught like this isn't a method like you just discover. this is something that is like passed down because like this is a really complicated refined method and so you know like Neanderthals, Cro-Magnons, they actually had larger brain capacities because their skulls were different shaped and they—they they, like their brains were sort of larger back here and smaller up here. They're like, oh, they were dumb. I don't really think they were dumb. And I think that, that you know, we I mean, there's Neanderthal caves that we found that are 170,000 years old that have like stone circles in them, right? Where they've got, they've like set up like menhirs and stuff in like complicated designs. Like they're not dumb. Like, I, I, I wonder very often how much of this early stuff could possibly be attributed to another smart race that we don't see, like, much that got pretty much totally wiped out and there's not much evidence of before. Like, nobody 30 years ago, nobody knew about Nalensis or yeah. Florentiensis or even um, – what's the name of the Siberian uh, one that begins with D? It's just on the tip of my uh, – they haven't even found, like, a full skull of that yet, but – but they know it exists like there's you know there there were i think there were a lot of races i wouldn't be surprised if we stole fire and if we you know stole other you know tool mechanics would,
0: would from, those, from older species would those other species be considered like extraterrestrial not really right i mean cuz they don't come well you
2: know this is this is the thing it's like it, you know some people come from like the the old sumerian sort of beliefs where like if you believe you know, what we think they're telling us from that time is that, you know, they came here from, from somewhere else mm-hmm. we're the, and, you know, they became us. We're them, like we're the aliens, right. That's, <laughs> that's the story from, from that, you know, we came here from somewhere else. We colonized this, this place, like, you know, the personally, honest, I, I don't think, I think we came out of this place biologically, whether this place was seeded, by something else, whether something was done to the biological soup. Like, I don't know whether like primates were fucked with by something like, I'm not, I'm not a biologist. I don't know. I don't know those things I haven't studied. I have no way to study any of that. But like, I consider the possibility. I think I very much believe in life outside of this planet. I think it's very likely that we we've been visited. I think some people
0: don't believe in space, Luke.
2: Some people don't. Some people look. I've met people in, like, in Egypt talking about this stuff who will tell you that there's nothing outside of the Earth whatsoever. Like some people, some people believe that. Like, I, I happen to not believe that. But you know, Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. I don't know. I try to stay, I try to stay open to stuff. But you know, that's one of the things in the last few years with all this QAnon crap and all, like, all this unbelievable shit. It is really just crap in the pool of. Uh, of interesting, you know, conspiracies and figuring out what's going on. I mean, right now everybody's talking about uh, UAPs, UFOs, aliens, all this kind of stuff because of the military videos. I mean, they're they've been scrambling to figure out a way to explain that shit. Right? It took them like four years to come up with it. It's not really moving very fast.
0: But you know, then, now just... they're saying that <laughs> that it's been orchestrated by the government, and I'm like, well, what about all the depictions before the government was a thing? We can, you know, committed. we can, and
2: the problem is we can just play this game forever. And this is, it's the, it becomes the same thing as the, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the, the liberals are, are stealing adrenochrome and eating children. Like, it's like, I'm going to need to see some proof. So, <laughs> like, and this is the same thing we get into with all, well, okay, this is all being created and suppressed by the government. There is, like, obviously the government suppresses a lot of things on a lot of different subjects. It's what governments do. Like they make decisions based on national security and what they think, you know, is the right thing to do, and or or to protect themselves or various other, you know, nefarious reasons. History, you know, governments throughout human history make terrible, horrific decisions all the time, and our governments like no different. And you know, are they hiding stuff like about the aliens? Probably, I I, I don't know. Like. Have we recovered tech? I tend to think we have. There's guys out there like the Fire in the Sky guy, whose actual story is more interesting. The, the movie's pretty interesting. Uh, Travis Walton. So there's guys like Travis Walton uh, that I find, you know, very believable, and I, I find a lot of that stuff is credible. But there's so much grift. You've got like these guys like like Greer. He's a grifter. You got a lot of these people who are just (laughs) making a lot of money off this. This is why, like, I've never charged for anything. Like, I didn't didn't even take payments for my tours. Like, I'm not trying to sell something. I'm not trying to sell my theory. I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. I'm just interested. I want to know. I want to try to answer, ask the questions that I think other people aren't asking. And I'm not always good at that. And And I try to answer the questions for myself. You know, I'm trying to still trying to figure out, it started off, like, did we really build these things like what's going on? What happened in our ancient history? And now I'm like, what the fuck are we? What mm-hmm. the fuck is this? What is actually yeah. happening? Like, I don't know what I am. I don't really know the reasons for any of this. Like what the fuck is going on? And you, there comes a point, I think in your life, sometimes when you, if you've progressed, like, or you've had certain experience, whatever it is, where like, you realize like the vast, the vastness and, like, the depth and the intricate detail and the overwhelming, like, just infinity of it. And it's, like, it's, you know, you realize on some level that you're not capable of understanding. You're not not capable. You're just, you know, you're a, a glorified, you know, monkey. And, like, your brain is not capable. Like, you have to almost, like, let go of the brain and just try to, like, absorb... You know, I'm just trying to get to a point where, like, I still want to be here, you know, like, this is not, uh, this is not, you know, the, the human experience that it could be and it's really sad for me like this, this planet is an amazing place and there's so much beauty and there's so much that we could share and do for each other if we ever decided to like, do away with the primate pissing contest. And like, we're just all locked in it. It's all like a, you know, it's like this worldwide dick measuring contest where we're all trying to, (laughs) you know, accumulate and win the game. And, you know, and, and, you know, it leads to this point where you have people who have enough money, enough assets to fix like world hunger with like a small fraction of their assets, but, you know, they'd rather spend it on something fucking ridiculous and, like fuck those hungry people and i don't believe you anyway and oh this is all bu- and like you know there's a i think about evolution a lot and like evolution for me is, it's not like another you know it's not wings it's not like gills it's not like you know any of that stuff it's not a, it's not even a bigger brain or anything like that it's like can we put the weapons down can we can we try to like treat each other like from a, a starting point of fucking kindness can we try to put all of our research into medicine and technology and like how to stay in balance with the planet that we are animals that came out of this fucking planet. We're part of the ecosystem. Like most of the animals on this planet are our livestock, a vast amount of like the natural animals that were here, you know, are are gone. And this thing, you know, we go through cycles, this stuff happens, but we're, we're kind of a parasite. And if we need to, you know, there's an old movie now, old movie called Kayaanis Katsi. I think it's on, it's on like prime again, I think, or something like that. It's a, like from like 1980, this just like a Philip Glass soundtrack. And it's just a comparison of like industry and nature. And like, you watch that movie and you come out of that afterwards. And if you're not like, we are fucking doing this wrong. Like, I just don't know what to say. Like we're doing this wrong. And I don't know how many chances we get. Maybe it's already too late. Yeah. But, you know, I, I went through, as we went into this pandemic and all this stuff, and there was all this division and hatred and you know, trying to take things away from people and make people feel bad about this. Bad. Like, I just decided at a certain point, my only goal really from now on is to try to act from a place of kindness, like always. And it's so hard. It's like almost impossible. But if I can come close to like accomplishing that like 70, 80% of the time, like I'm going to have made the world a better place. And it's just, it's just, it's a stupid thing. It's just a very simple thing. But like, if you go out of your house and you're kind to people, like that's a chain reaction. They feel good about that. They're kind to the next person. It's a fucking chain. If you go out and you're like, dude, get out of my fucking lane. What are you doing? Learn how to drive. You know, what do you do? Move a little faster, buddy. Like, whatever it is. Like, don't do that. Like, they have that reaction. Someone came at me aggressively. They're going to pass that on. Then it's all a, like, and I don't know if you've ever heard, here's, a, here's like an origin conspiracy, whatever theory for you. It's the Loosh Farm. Do you do you know this one?
0: Where they're using you know, us for negative energy?
2: <clears throat> it's just energy, Yeah. right? So, like, there's entities and, you know, they live on energy and we produce the energy. And the they David Icke shit there. So, so I, there's all kinds of people who talk about this, right? So, like, it doesn't matter what the energy is. It could be, like, all happy. You know, it could be all bad. It could be a mixture. They, they benefit from it the same. But it's much easier to produce that negative, unhappy energy than it is to produce, like, the happy energy. It's the same thing, like, in The Matrix, where You know, like, Smith is explaining, we tried to make, like, your prison, like, perfect. And you guys were like, fuck this. Like, I want division and horror and, you know, all the rest of it. And I, all of those insights are valid, you know, where, I don't mean to get preachy, I'm just, I'm at the point in my life where, like, I'm looking for something that's not superficial, like, and, and, like, it's, you know, I heard, like, this, this sort of hoarding, this richness thing, this billionaire thing, it's like, if, if, you know, there was a monkey who hoarded all the bananas and didn't, like, share them with anybody else, you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with this monkey? Like, (laughs) But like, you know, you if you court all the money as a human and you don't help anybody else, you know, you're like, oh, he's awesome. He won masterful work, mm-hmm. you know, like way to go. I wish I was him,
0: you know. What and the like, fuck is wrong with that monkey?
2: <laughs> so that's, these are just like, like, and somehow like this is all like, I did start for me really like when my dad died and i was like what the fuck is this and then like i just really buried myself in like connecting with these ancient cultures and trying to figure out did they know something we didn't know what was really going mm-hmm. on and then like it's just a constant constant like you know existential you know lesson that have like, I you don't
0: understand. have you come to any conclusions as to what that secret could possibly be if it's the building or if it's like something are was saying more not as superficial as we believe it to be and it's something more esoteric and occulted like what are your
2: do you mean like building the structures or do you mean like like
0: what no no. like what what these people were trying like what they knew that we don't was it was it the knowledge of those buildings and how to do them or was it something beyond that knowledge you know what i'm saying
2: well this i you know i do think about that and i i one of the things i think about um and i don't know the answer to is uh many cultures have um excuse me have stories of different ages where uh, humanity's awareness you know was at a different level higher lower what have you and that when our you know awareness was at a different level you know we were capable of accomplishing and understanding you know more more things right and this is one of the the theories about akhenaten in Egypt, and Akhenaten was was interesting because he looks really weird, and people think he's kind of like alien. And he was the guy who said, "No, no, no, we're not. None of this, you know, polytheism. We're like, we're focusing on the Aten. It's the the sun god. It's just the Aten. That's who we're we're going to worship." Well, this dude looks like an and,
0: alien, yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: and so the interesting what? thing, the interesting thing about uh, the, the Aten is that that. The, Atten, the time of the Aten was actually the age before, you know, so this would have been like at a time when perhaps the Egyptian empire was at its peak, you know, like what we think of now is the, the old kingdom that might actually have been an even older kingdom. And then what he was trying to do by fo- forcing everybody into worshipping the Aten is he was literally trying to move like the epoch back, like into the time of the Aten when these other things, these greater things were possible. And he was willing to try to to sacrifice, you know, like whatever it took to try to get civilization back into that era of the Aten when the consciousness was was more raised and not even to the higher. So there, I think with the Egyptian idea, there were like the five ages and the I think the Aten was like the fourth age. And after that is what we're in now is the time of, of, of Amun. Which is the time of darkness. This is a dark age. People think like this is like our high technological era. Look around you. This is a dark age. This is absolutely a dark age. And the time of Amon is hopefully what we're about to come out of in the Egyptian cycle and into this new age, right? We've all been waiting for the dawning of the age of Aquarius, right, for a long time, or whatever that consciousness shift is. I don't know if any of that is true. But like I'm I'm hopeful that. You know, there is something like that for humanity because we're just, we're, we're kind of reached like a technological peak, but socially we're just degenerating.
3: And,
0: uh, mm-hmm.
2: you know, it's, a, I mean, you know, civilizations collapse and then rebuild and collapse and it's.
0: So every 300 years, isn't it? Is that what they say? Something. something. At- but
2: I, mean, I think really the Egyptians were like one of the. The real exceptions to that, because they had like an incredible civilization for thousands of years, that then like somehow forgot all about itself and what it was able to accomplish.
0: The, the most hated pharaoh, and then it has Akhenaten. <laughs> <clears throat> That's what people say. I don't. I don't
2: really view. I don't really view him that way.
0: Um, but he's thick. Look at those hips, bro. If Akhenaten yeah, don't he, stop, he
2: had this. He had these really sort of like uh, this sort of womanly lower figure. And this elongated head. And that was not like, that was not hip at the time. So it's a, it's a very interesting decision. I kind of look at that. And I think of like those old kind of prehistoric Mesopotamian, like the, the great mother figure, yeah. you know, and it's like, he's half that. And then he's like half Pharaoh. It's like, he's like this androgynous sort of figure.
0: Well, he had an a interest... female physique. What the heck? An androgynous appearance. That's,
2: yeah, that's, you know, because it's his, you know, the, the the, way he's depicted looks like that. And I, I think, it, I'm not sure he looked like that. I think it was, I mean, they were all inbreeding, like all the royal families did. But, like, I think it's possible that he was trying to convey, or there was an idea. Like, a lot of his teachings, a lot of what happened in his realm, a lot, you know, his time, his reign is destroyed. Like, if you go to Amarna, I went to Amarna. And, like, everything has been smashed off the walls there. Like, everything that had to do with his history is almost completely destroyed by the, the cult of Amun, who were like, you know, fuck this guy. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, uh, Tutankhamun, who's, you know, Amun, he was born Aten, and he, he had to change his name and suck up to the cult of Amun, or he would have gone the same way, and, and he was probably murdered by Horemheb anyway. It became the, the next uh, it was a general anyway you know it's um it's a fascinating one of the most fascinating histories and we just don't remember you know after like I said I, before the new kingdom everything is very very shaky and I, I got led I got led into a, a kind of a special area uh, the last time I was there which is on top of the necropolis uh, across from the pyramids so if you're standing by the Sphinx or the the pyramids and you you um, you look to the south there's a large cave system and on and you know the plateaus you know above it's actually higher than the level of the sphinx and um and if you go around they let you in back there you can either go through like the wall of the crow which is megalithic and then there's a bunch of tombs back there because they're like this is the camp of the workers who built the pyramids right that's what they think or that's what they tell us And I was allowed to go in them, and you know, I've spent enough time there that I know the difference between certain dynasties' style of of writings, of hieroglyphs on the wall. And we went in these tombs, and I'm like, this is 5th dynasty. This is like 5th or 6th dynasty, and Yusuf was with me. He's like, yeah, you're absolutely right. None of those tombs that that I went in, and I went in like 20 of them, that were supposedly for the tombs of the workers who built the Great Pyramids, none of them were 4th dynasty. Like, you know, maybe they were helping building something later, you know, in the fifth dynasty, but most of that stuff was going on at Saqqara. According to the historians, everything, pretty much everything on the Giza Plateau was built in the fourth dynasty. That's 85 years. They're saying the three great pyramids, the Sphinx, the temple of, or the the pyramid of Henticalis or the tomb of Henticalis, all that stuff around there. They tell you all of that stuff was built in 85 years. And then you look at the museum. Right? Their new museum, the grand museum, they've been building that for thirty fucking years. It's not finished. Like you're telling me you built the Great Pyramid in twenty years and you're still building the the fucking museum, you know, thirty
0: years after you started, it's like the
2: timeline is wrong.
0: It's like that huge, like crazy like one of the biggest museums there is, right? I think you and I had talked about that one time. No? It's
2: not a it's it's large, it's got very high ceilings and they've they've made the sort of roof. So that lines up with the, you know, the pyramids. They've got like a design on the roof that lines up with it. But it looks cool. I keep it's still not open. Every time I go there, somebody's like, uh, you know, give me three hundred bucks and I'll take you in. I'm like, there's n- not really much in there. It's a new building. Why would I give you three hundred bucks to go in there? But it is going to look good because they're they're able to put some of these statues up. And I think that one standing there, he may be from Memphis. There was one laying down in Memphis. That, and that may be him that they've moved from Memphis and put in the museum. But what's interesting about a lot of those and the guy in Memphis, and I think it is that one, like you can tell like all the names on them, it's all added later. Like he's got a belt buckle on him and like they can't really fit the name in. It's like skewed and kind of, you know, and so, oh, but we're supposed to believe that this is the name of the person it represented when like, you know, it's just a name that's been written in mm-hmm. at a late time. It's really funny too, like they that statue they found in like the late 1800s and it took them weeks and hundreds of men and cranes to get the statue up out of the mud. But the ancient Egyptians were moving those things hundreds of miles,
0: hundreds of miles. That's what's wild Not to me, forever. dude. Like, <laughs> is it levitation? Was it magnetism? Was it freaking giants? Was it, or I mean, dude.
2: They, they try to
0: tell you it's sleds that they poured water in front of
2: sleds and they drag these things on sleds some of these things like the the colossi of memnon right down in luxor those came like i don't i forget like seven eight hundred miles like across a fucking desert like i just it's
0: incalculable really like down rivers and everything too
2: yeah, they, they were very, like, uh, Hatshepsut documents, like moving columns on boats, and I think the earliest one is the Pyramid of, uh, or the Causeway of Unas, or Wenis, as it would have been pronounced. Uh, he's got stories on his Causeway wall of bringing granite columns from Aswan up to Saqqara. And, you know, that. but the columns are, this, they're one piece, but they're you know, that they're, they're a reasonable size. Mm-hmm. There's no indication of like the real supermassive obelisk, like Pompey's Pillar or the unfinished obelisk at Aswan. Like the unfinished ob- obelisk at Aswan, you have to look at that and you have to think. The dynastic Egyptians knew they couldn't move this, right? It's over 1,200 tons, right? It's in a granite quarry pit. Like you're going to have to lift it out of that pit. There's really no clear path to the river, right? You had to wait for the river to flood anyway, but there's still, there's no clear path from there to the river. Somehow you're going to have to get a 1200 ton monument out of a pit and down to the river. And then you're going to have to have a boat that is like big enough for that thing. And the dynastic Egyptians had to know they didn't have a boat big enough for that and they couldn't move this thing. So then why are they going to spend all that time trying to cut that out? And if I got a video on YouTube, I gotta do another one too, because I got better footage this time. If you there's another unfinished obelisk that you can actually go down next to it. Like they won't let you down underneath that one, but there's a smaller one that they it's kind of hidden in the back. If you know where it is, you can go down in there. And what you can see is that like here's the obelisk, right? And here's the, the rock wall that they're that's all granite. And they've cut away all of the shitty granite on the surface, and now they're they've identified like a good solid piece of granite. 15 feet down or something. Now they're going to try to extract that. And so they they core in. They've got like these scoop marks, right, that come down but not just straight. They come down at a slight angle and they go to the bottom and they curve around underneath the obelisk, kind of like this. And then they come back up. And it's like one corkscrew motion that you can see that comes down the side of the wall and underneath the obelisk and out. And they're, they're not straight. They're angled slightly to the side and it's, like, over and over again, all the way down. And on the opposite side, on the obelisk, there are, like, these straight, narrow lines as if something has been braced against the stone. So these things are scooped, like, there's a machine, there's something that's held here, and this thing is scooping underneath. And what they're trying to tell you is that some guys had, like, dolomite balls and were, like, doing this and then somehow got down, like, underneath this th- And, like, these things are perfect. They're pretty pretty close to perfect, and it's like there's there's some kind they were using whoever was doing that was using and look there's at the asshole I didn't even point this out in the video I got to do this right um, there's like four different techniques that you see there and like three of them two or three of them are, are reasonably modern like the ancients were doing them like the Romans were doing them everybody's like where they make the the little tic-tac you know lines mm. in the stone and they put some wood in there yeah the jam wood in there and then they they pour water on the wood and the wood expands and if if you, you've done it right and you've gone deep enough it'll crack that piece of stone so you see that and that's common that's everywhere it's romans did it people quarrying the stuff later did it like it's just very common and then like you see like the scoop marks and this is like not so common and across in this quarry in several places, there are just walls that are just sheer and flat. Like, like just perfectly flat. And one of them, all the way across from the obelisk, the unfinished obelisk, it has this, it has these red ochre paintings of um, uh, ostriches, like emus. Don't click on it. Don't click on it. Don't click on it. Thank you. It has these uh, ostriches right? These red ostriches on the wall. Well, those ostriches were extinct by the time in Egypt, by the time like the Egyptians, the dynastic Egyptians were there, right? So who's painting pictures of long extinct animals on the quarry walls? Well, people quarrying it much further back. This is what I'm talking about though, like those pictures underneath, you know, like the scoop coming down underneath, what and it's you know heck? it's right and it's you know I've got really good video of this I got to do another one and talk about it again anyway um so that you've got these these pictures of these uh, ostriches right on the on the walls there and it's it's just clear that you know what the Egyptologists will say or what Zahi Hawass will tell you oh we brought in workers from very far away who'd seen ostriches and they painted them on the walls or. you know this stuff's much older than we think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff there like some of those pictures are like test pits right so like they've got a pit that is literally like one foot by one foot and you can see like the scoop marks this time they go sideways you know and they go all the way down and and that's what you would like that's crazy like the quality of the grant you know the granite but what is what is the tool they're using for that and this is really hard actually yeah this is granite so, if, if, if it's a guy like doing this in a circle with a stone, you've got to hang him upside down so he can get the stuff because you're at the bottom. So, there's some kind of tool. There's a tool. You can see in this picture where it says Instagram, like unfinished obelisk. You can see in that picture there, right? You can see like the angle, how it's not, they're not straight lines. That's mm-hmm. an angle, right? Mm-hmm. And it's coming down underneath the, that, that the left, the stone on the left is the top part of the obelisk. And so it's you know that and it cl- just curls down underneath it's you know
0: God, so yeah this is it's really interesting and like you said like there were a lot
2: of old techniques that, that like yeah. you don't see in, but in with so the things. with
0: enough people luke do you think with with like let, let's occam's razor right with enough people if you get enough people together to come together to work on a project they could still get this done somehow And like if you have enough people lifting enough people pushing you think that they would i mean like,
2: that's just that's just what uh what's his name uh comedian lou uh let what, no, what's his name the guy who got canceled for louis ck that's what he says about. It. He's like, "How did they build the pyramids? They threw like unlimited suffering and death at it until it was done." <laughs> and like, you know, I, I get, I get the point. I just think our timelines, our timelines. where well, yeah, if you're willing to sacrifice everybody, how many?
0: It's how know. many millions of, of bricks is it? The uh,
2: I think that you know they 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 figured that the two great pyramids are somewhere like 2.7, 2.3, 2.7 One and the other, I think, million blocks. That's crazy. So you, you can do calculations on that. If it's one team placing the blocks, you know, they have to go 24 hours a, 2.3 a day. Million. You know, placing like a block every three seconds. But like if you have a hundred teams doing it, you know, then, then you can start cutting that number down. But it's, you know, you have a lot of mathematical problems. And like, so I just, I object to some of the, um, you know, some of the reasoning they give you for stuff Well, they say, Oh, we found a ramp here. So we know that this was being built because they used ramps to build stuff. Yes. They also used ramps to quarry stuff. So how do you know they weren't quarrying it? You know, and like you actually don't because the Egyptians quarried the stuff for thousands of years. Like this is the great site of the great pyramids. It's one of the largest quarries in the world. Like half of Cairo was built out of, you know, blocks from the pyramids.
0: And the empire state building has 10 million bricks. And how long did the Empire State Building take to make? How long? Yeah, but, but
2: yeah, but like their bricks are how big are they? Yeah, Empire yeah, State yeah, building bricks. You know, you're talking about like the pyramidal ones are like a ton or more. Like some of the interior pieces of granite are like 60 tons. But you see, like during the dynastic times, the sorry, during the Old Kingdom, they're not supposed to have had granite coring capabilities because they didn't have the tools, right? And supposedly they didn't have the mathematical understanding for. For that stuff. This is what the academics are telling us. They literally will tell you that all of the granite that they used to build the pyramids, they found lying around on the surface. And so, as soon as you know anything or you learn anything about stone and quarrying, you know that like the surface stone is almost always no good because it's, it's been exposed to, you know, weather, the sun, whatever, and it's it fractures very easily. Granite in particular has this problem. If you actually go to Aswan, you can see a lot of the surface stone is bad. You have to go down. And so, you know, they didn't have those, you know, techniques. So they say all of this stuff. So how are you getting really good stone? How are you getting 60-ton blocks of granite? How is stuff from Aswan laying around, you know, in Cairo? you know it's like really brought it there (laughs) you know or what's really going on here i think i just there's a lot of there's a lot of room for a different explanation still and you know it makes i understand that it makes academics angry because they're like who are these armchair dudes who come in here and and you know portal all these crazy yeah portal bros whatever and like I just – there's so many bad explanations in Egypt and South America, and it's not until you actually hear them or investigate. Okay, so you say that this is, you know, Abu Wash, you say this is Jed pyramid that was – actually the second pyramid because it was built after the Great Pyramid, but before the second pyramid, um, you know, by Jed And you say that he built it, so how do you know that he built it? And they're like, oh, because um, – we found a reference to Jedefras' starry sky. So that must mean the pyramid. Is that all you got? No, no, we've got a we got a bowl that we found near the pyramid. I'm <laughs> like, okay, what's cool about the bowl? How does the bowl tell you? Well, the bowl has Khufu's name, has his Nebti name and title in it. I'm like, yeah, so you found Khufu's name on a calcite bowl? What does that prove? Well, that means that, that Khufu came and he saw... That this pyramid was going to be built, and he was like, "Yeah, this is cool. You should build this pyramid here. Thumbs up, Jennifer." Ah. That's literally the conclusion they reached from finding a calcite bowl with with. And what you discover in Egypt is that a lot of times the reasoning is that poor, and that they show you the conclusion that they reached without showing you the steps that they took to reach that conclusion because if they showed you those steps, you would fucking laugh them out of court. Like, it's just, you know, or, you know, like there's so it, so many endless examples about that. And, it, you know, like the only statue of Khufu, the greatest god king of all time, is, uh, you know, like a four-inch piece from the 26th dynasty, which is closer to like our time than was to his time. Like, how come there's no great, you know, Khufu worship, how come his stuff isn't everywhere? So you're saying the second pyramid was built by Ka'if because they found a statue that they think is Kaifra upside down in a pit in the Valley Temple? That's like your, you know? So, like, they, they look for circumstantial stuff. They tell you stuff all the time, like, there's no writings on the inside of the Great Pyramids because they didn't write on the inside of tombs in the Fourth Dynasty. They sang the songs for the pharaoh, you know, to go to, you know, the, to join You know, in the duat, go through the duat and join his ancestors and the gods and and all this stuff. And then what you find is that, like, you know, the pyramid text, the fifth dynasty, all of a sudden they're telling you how important it is. Without these prayers written on the wall, they wouldn't be able to get to where they were. And then you go and you spend some time on the plateau and you start going into fourth dynasty tombs, like uh, a prince, like Khufu Ka'ef, they just closed his tomb. But if you go into his tomb, what do you see on the walls? All the fucking iconography of a tomb. You see, like, the, the, the front of palace, the false door, Anubis guarding the gateway, a Hotep over here, walls full of offerings and stories of his life. It's a fourth dynasty tomb. You go inside the pyramid, supposedly the grandest fourth dynasty tomb of them all. There's no fucking writing. You know, yeah. there's no fucking writing in any of they those. weren't tombs. And there's, there's no writing in them because they
0: weren't fucking tombs. They were spaceships, bro.
2: They were they were something.
0: They were I, you spaceships. know, I've got to say
2: I, I do have a soft spot for uh for the movie Stargate and how they used them as like landing
0: yeah, uh, bro.
2: things for the I thought that was a cool idea.
0: <laughs> uh, oh yeah. man. Well Luke, always love yeah. talking to you, bro. Yeah, like man. diving deep into this ancient world, you know, the enigmas of the ancient world, um, and all these different things. That so this is something that got me into like research and all of it was like something I've always thought about as a kid. Always wondered who or what built the pyramids and what they were used for, like their original intention. What imagine talking to the architect that first thought up of that idea? Like, yo, we're gonna tackle this. I think.
2: I think, you know, sound and I think vibration is the key to everything. Sound is vibration, frequency. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that is really the key to everything. I think everything stems from sound and vibration, and everything is, you know, contained within it and geared towards that. And I think, I think some of these buildings are, are musical. Like, if you, if you go in the bent, if you read about the bent pyramid, there was an archaeologist before the time of fucking Za'i was who was, really just a a blight upon the field um but there was a guy called salim hassan who was an excellent archaeologist who really like was just honest about stuff he wasn't making stuff up you know for for you know whatever national geographic chasing mummies whatever the fuck he talked about the bent pyramid and going in the bent pyramid and like the how it was like a musical instrument how like you know, the wind would come through from places they weren't even sure where it was coming from and it would make all these different tones, you know. And then they just started filling all like the pits with rubble from stuff they're excavating and all the sound stopped. But if you look at some of, if you look at the internal structure of some of those, they kind of look a little bit like, like saxophones even, or like, you know, this like, there may be some kind of like, vibrational element like some of these may have emitted tones like i think about that a lot I, I think the great the third pyramid third of the the three pyramids has uh, has a plug on um the east side there's the <laughs> east side like there's a the door on the, the the front or where they've blasted the hole in uh there's actually a flattened area where they've flattened like the the granite casing stones and there's actually some hieroglyphs written in it. that came later. Uh, but if you go around, like, the east side, there's an area which has, again, been flattened, like, right there. And there's there's definitely some stuff that's been removed from the ground. Like, some of the the casing, the floor casing stones have been removed and then covered with something else. I think there's another entrance to that or to catacombs underneath.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that which we know there are.
2: The, the, the entire plateau is absolutely... You know, riddled with passages and catacombs, and and yeah, some of them are still explorable. But you know, and like I was saying about Zahi Hawass, you know, like so we have—they're always telling us we're making stuff up. But like the Osiris shaft and tomb, right, is this uh, huge sort of triple pit underneath the causeway in front of the second pyramid, and it goes down something like. 60, 75 meters, I want to say. Like it's deep. And you mm. have to go down like three different ladder sets to get into the lowest room. And the lowest room is still underwater. Um, and I have footage of it. I've gone, gone down in there. But Zaki Hawass announced this to the world as the Osiris tomb. And just told everybody uh, it's a symbolic tomb to Osiris. That's its purpose. So one thing you won't find anywhere is any writing specifically you won't find the name osiris anywhere you know what you do find is um one dacite and two gray wacky boxes that are very large and would have been very difficult to get down under the ground under there like you know i don't know what that is but it's certainly doesn't have anything Obvious to do with with Osiris, but like that, you know, they have to. If he comes out and says that, he can stamp it with that. It'll be referred to that. I call it that. There's no fucking proof of it, like whatsoever. <laughs> and Egypt is just absolutely riddled with that. And what you find if you start to question them is they don't explain. They get angry and they start telling you you believe in aliens and Atlantis. And it's it's happened to me in South America and it's happened to me in Egypt. And I generally try to be really polite and friendly. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I don't want to have an argument. Just, you know, if if there's a really simple explanation or not simple, like, like educate me. Like, I, I just want to know what it is. I'm really curious. And, like, I'm still waiting, you know. And I've met Sahih Was three times. He screamed at me twice. You know, he just refused to answer questions. He accused me of, of calling him a tomb robber. Like, when I all I was asking him was, you know, why he was so sure the Great Pyramids were, were tombs. You know, what makes mm. you so sure that that was their purpose? Oh, you think I take everything and I sell? <laughs> like, I mean, spitting on people, like, with his rage. And I'm like, this is a tactic. This isn't, He's he doesn't even really think that. He doesn't think I said that. He's going to shout. He's going to make noise. He's going to throw the toys out of the pram. And then we're going to move on to the next fucking question. And he doesn't have to answer that. And this is like, you know, when when you have that kind of response from, you know, academics, it's really disappointing. Like, you know, educate people. Like, educate me. Mm-hmm. I'm curious I want to know like and if we don't know tell me we don't know
0: well I, I the joke would be on them because I actually do believe in aliens in Atlanta so yeah I don't know where that puts me but yeah that, that dude seems like a piece of work I saw that documentary I'd sent you on on Netflix the other day oh, yeah. it wasn't really I mean you know nothing new really it's... under the sun that was revealed with that but that's usually there, how this there goes won't,
2: there won't ever be there'll be like pretty things, things to go, Oh, isn't that cool though? They will never, I don't think they're, I, I hope things are changing. Like when I, I talk to Yusuf occasionally about some of this stuff and I, you know, I don't necessarily believe that, you know, cause they, listen, let me tell you there, there are a ton of like snake oil salesmen and grifters in Egypt too, that are going to tell you, they think like you want to hear something. I know a guy with a master's, right? He's got a master's in Egyptology. He's a very bright guy. He can't wait to tell everybody how his father's a general. He's a tour guide all of this kind of stuff. And he's like, he found out I'd been underneath the step pyramid and I'd gone down like four levels. And he's like, what level were you on? Tell me. So I'm describing, this is not the fourth level. This is the second level. You didn't go down far enough. There are eight levels. Now I went down there in 2018 with like a special permission and they were really cool. They showed us into like the sixth level, which the French uh, archeologists had just discovered a few months before. And we were able to like, crawl down this tunnel and see the hole into the sixth level and how there was like, you know, still, it was still moist because it was, you know, getting so deep under there and stuff. And, and there's, there was stuff we were not allowed to see under there. I saw some glowing boxes that were really interesting, definitely designed to glow. Um, You know, there was some interesting stuff. There were areas we were definitely not let into, but like, I know like the inspector there, like Eb, he's like a, a really nice, this guy, this other guy is telling me eight levels down, there's a police station. and then, if you get beyond the police station, I was allowed to go because I paid, you know, the the fee and then my father's a general. And then you go back into this room and there are these giant green statues of um, Horus and it says Horus and those and his followers from across the water. And it's the link to the old civilization. And I'm like, okay, so <clears throat> this is, you know, you know, let me do an Elon big, if true. So I'm like, okay, this is cool. Like how do we, uh, you know, tell me about it. Well, that was the extent of his information. I'm like, okay, so I want to go down there. I need to see this. I won't take my video cameras. You guys can search me. I won't take my phone. I just want to see it. I want to like touch the stone and I won't tell anybody about I it. I want to lick it. How much? <laughs> yeah, I want to lick the stone. How much does it cost? And he's like $8,000. And I thought, I'm going to call this fucking bluff. And I was like, all right, I will get you $8,000. Organize it. And then he's like, I cannot organize this. You are not the son of a general, you know, all this kind of, I was always, you know. So I went and I talked to Ragab one day. I was over there and I was like, hey, do you ever find any statues under here? He's like, oh yeah. And he's like going through his phone, showing me all the statues and stuff they found. And I'm like, oh, you like, find any green statues under there? And he's like, oh yeah, I think there was one, maybe this one, you know, some, some other thing. I'm like, do you find any large green statues of, uh, Toth, sorry, I think I said Horus before. I meant Toth. Um, like, do you see any you know large t- t- statues of Toth? And he's like, no. Like, and I was like scanning his face, you know, for bullshit yeah, or anything. He had some just, micro just, expression.
0: Yeah.
2: And he was really cool. He took us down underneath the. Uh, it, there's another area near the step pyramid, which is very similar to the underneath uh, the tomb area, the box area underneath the the step pyramid. And he took us down in there, and uh, really nice guy. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys out there, you know, he, the same guy, he was telling me, I can prove to you that Egypt is 300,000 years old. And I'm like, well, that's really cool. Uh, you know, show me. And he's like, well, there's all these objects in the museum, like these boxes, and these boxes are much older. And I'm like, I agree, there are much older boxes in there. You know, let's go in and you can show me the ones. Oh, uh, you know, this, this cannot be done. It's just like, I would believe 30,000 years. I have trouble believing you know, 300,000 years, but like, I'm open to it. Show me, you know, show me what you got. And the guy's, the guy's got nothing,
0: you know, maybe one day we can figure those secrets out. Once you finish the the documentary, bro, <laughs> I'm looking forward for you to, did, finish you know, I,
2: I, I'm looking forward to, I mean, you've, you've already just, just heard a fair amount of it. Like, honestly, um, I'm looking forward to being done with it. I'm not here to be an expert on this. I don't want to go to uh you know, contact in the desert and sit on a panel. I don't, you know, like none of that stuff is, is interesting to me. The only thing that's interesting, I never even turned on like YouTube money from my videos or anything. Like I never even, I just don't, I'm just trying to find out what the fuck is going on. Really? You know, what are we, what is this, you know, what, what really is our, our history. And you know, there's a lot of people believe, a lot of really terrifying stuff about our history. I know you've talked to a lot of people about, you know, reptilians and the, you know, what's going, we're being controlled and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Again, I find it interesting and I'm, I'm just like you trying to find answers and, and ask hard questions. But at the end of the day, I don't, I don't think we're going to ever really truly know. And maybe when we is pass that, on. Is that
2: Nicholas Cage in like a Michael
0: Jackson jacket? No, uh, yeah, it's Nicholas Cage and, and some some jacket, I don't know. I don't know. It what looks like
2: do. it looks like uh, no, not Michael Jackson. I was gonna say Eddie Murphy. He did like a couple oh, yeah. of like raw, and uh, there was another one where he wore like a black leather.
0: Anyway, so yeah, yeah. I just got <laughs> for a Well, Luke, let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, midnight here. I have to work tomorrow. I Gotta wake up early, but this was fun. Right on.
2: Yeah, that should be a couple of couple of things. Maybe
0: appreciate you. And we'll do this again soon, hopefully once you finish the the project, and we can air it or something. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, let me you know if you want to do something on Oriente Tambo or some of those other uh, yeah, we'll set it up. Things like I can
0: you know I can give you some footage for awesome for stuff. Well, I Luke, I right, appreciate man. you, bro. Thank you again, and as always, yeah, it was, everyone. It's
2: kind of fun. It's fun.
0: See you on the on the next one. Thanks, Luke.